Hi, I'm Miranda Ray Mayo, also known as Mr. Mayo. I play Stella Kid on Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shyhards. Um, before we start the episode, because you, obviously you're here to listen to the episode about the episodes you just watched. <laughs> Like, can I say episodes any more times? Um, yeah. <laughs> we just wanted to drop in and just kind of talk briefly about, you know, what's going on in the world. Because we we recorded this episode, the one you're about to hear. I said episode again. Take a drink. Um, <laughs> we recorded this about two weeks ago. And obviously, a lot has changed in the country since then. Because, of course, it has. Cause, yeah, I know. Yeah. So, of course. Yeah. You know that meme that, like, was going around where it's, like, seven – because, obviously, this happened on January 6th, and it was that meme that was going around that was, like, you know, uh, 2021, like, the free seven-day trial or whatever. Like, I want my money back or whatever. Like, I don't want the anymore. Like, yeah, that's how I really feel about 2021. So far, I, I want to give it the benefit of the doubt and say that this was just, like, a one-off because I, I just can't imagine going through another year like 2020, but I, I don't know. It's just not know. setting the tone great, but Yeah. Yeah, so so obviously you were supposed to hear these episodes last week, the the episode of the pod. Okay, listen, I had a full margarita in the time between the first time we tried to record this intro and now. Um, I'm so proud of you, though. Thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, because it feels like the universe is conspiring against us, right? First the episodes get pushed, and then we recorded an intro, and then we had to fix the intro, and that's where we're at now. Uh, so... What was I talking about? Okay, so these were supposed to air. The episodes were supposed to air last week. Yeah, so episodes th- episodes three were supposed to air last week on January sixth. They got preempted because of the horrible occupation of the U.S. Capitol that happened that day. And we don't like to get political on the pod, but we do talk about current events. We don't want to shy away from it, and. I mean, to sum it up, it was it was horrifying. It was really horrifying, really scary day. Um, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, too, but, like, it's going to be one of those days where I'm going to remember where I was when I, like, first heard about it. Yeah, and something I had said the first time we tried to record was that, you know, right before we were recording, I was on with my therapist and like, okay, whatever. Gina has a therapist. Ooh. But um, we had talked about how it, it was almost, it was it felt kind of similar to watching 9-11 and that it was just kind of something where it was so shocking and so horrible that you just could not believe what you were seeing. Yeah. And obviously I was a little too young. Like I have vague memories of 9-11. I was when 9-11 happened so like I remember kind of 9-11 happening but not enough you know not in the same way that I will remember where I was on January 6 2021 right you know now that I'm 25 um and I think I think this hits even a little bit closer to home to me too because I've just moved back home from DC where mm-hmm. I spent seven years of my life um and I have a lot of friends that work on Capitol Hill and, you know, so my first instinct was like, okay, 
text literally everyone that I know that lives in DC city limits. I don't care if they work on the Capitol Hill. I don't, you know, I have friends that live really close to the Capitol. I have friends who live in, you know, all over the city, but like I have a bunch of friends that live on, you know, that work on the Hill. And my first gut reaction was, I don't think most of them are there, but let me text them. And like, I was having that same conversation with a friend who does work there. And she was like, yeah, it's kind of unfortunate, but like, thanks to COVID we're not there. Like, kind of, a, like, what a crazy silver lining that, like, we're not at work, but, like, we're not at work because of COVID, you know? It's just kind of one of those crazy things. But, like, luckily, I don't – nobody I know is actually there, but it's that's, still really scary. It was really that's scary. That's good. Yeah, I, I'm glad your friends are okay, and, I mean, that must have made the day even even scarier for you because, like, I know where my friends are, right? I'm just like, okay, you're at work. You're in the state of Texas. I know nobody's traveling right now, but – I mean, yeah, that that had to have been really scary. Being like, oh my god, like this friend could be there. This friend could be there. Yeah, um, and I mean, luckily, I mean, like most of my friends, just because of like the age that we are, mm-hmm. like being twenty five, they're not like super super high up yet. Like they're not obviously like intern level, but they're not like you know chief of staff level either yet. Mm-hmm. And so most of them, even though they've all been working this whole time, they're not in their offices. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike some people who I know had to still be on the hill. But, um, or, you know, other people who have heard have been on the Hill. But, yeah, so I it, it was really scary, though. Like I said, even if they don't work on the Hill, I still texted all my friends. Yeah. Like, every single one. I was like, I don't care. I just need to, like, hear that you're, like, alive. I don't care if, yeah, like, I just, you know, just need to make sure. Just need to make sure for my own sanity. And that's what I feel is, like, the saddest part of this whole thing is that five, you could say six people now because a Capitol Police officer did die by suicide this week. Um, that that officer was present on the 6th. Uh, six people are no longer with us that could certainly still be here, you know, if it weren't for the fact that they were at the Capitol that day. Yeah, that's definitely, I think, you know, the saddest part. And regardless of what, you know, whether they were there because of the riot or you know like you said they were police officer or whatever like it is really sad that you know people had to lose their lives because of this day yeah it, it's it's very sad and obviously we know one of the deaths was a rioter who was shot by capitol police inside of the capitol and there was video of it as well um and that wednesday night i mean i was up until like two in the morning just doom scrolling like i just couldn't stop and part of it was seeing that video and right before I went to bed I was like like I I watched a woman die today like that's not I didn't want that yeah I chose not to watch it um I I saw the tweet but I you know I saw it on my timeline but I chose not to watch it I didn't want to I didn't need to see that I felt um but yeah and it also you know it's kind of one of those things too like with social media and just like when we were talking about too like the different you know kind of it being similar to 9-11, but also, like, 9-11, there was no social media. Like, imagine if 9-11, there had been social media during 9-11. It would have kind of, I felt like, in some regards, probably been somewhat similar to this. But, mm-hmm. man, yeah, that definitely added a layer for sure. It, Yeah, it, it was shocking. It was terrifying. It was it was horrible. Um, I mean. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the thing that also kind of really I still can't believe about last week is the fact that, like, it wasn't really a secret that the protest was going to happen. Like everyone knew that there was going to be a big protest on the six, but I still feel like there was not proper plans, proper security, proper. I mean, there, you know, everyone's like, Oh yeah, it's another protest. Like these protests happen all the time in DC. And like, 
the fact that I don't think people took it seriously enough mm-hmm. is still kind of mind blowing. I, you know, I mean, I know for sure. I, you know, I, I heard protests and I was like, whatever. They're just gonna like scream from the Capitol, like outside the Capitol, and whatever. That's that. Like they're just gonna be annoying. I, I, it didn't dawn on me for a second that they would actually just storm right on in. Like that, that was never, that was never a possibility to me. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, they literally stormed on in, and that's, I think, the other part that still kind of blows my mind is that, you know, they're so strict over there at the Capitol that, like, you can literally accidentally step, you know, walk in the grass for, like, a hot second, and they yell at you. I mean, like, they're, like, so strict about what you can do over there and what you can't do over there that, like, the fact that they were just willingly, you know, like, opening gates for them, you know, I, I... it does. It just blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was a very, very disturbing day that, you know, even a week later, I just stop and I'm just like, oh, my God, that happened. Yeah. It still doesn't feel real sometimes. Like, I feel like compared to some people, I'm not having maybe as visceral reaction as I know some other people are. And I don't know, honestly, though, if it's because it really still hasn't sunk in or if I've just become numb to all this stuff happening. I don't know. I don't know why I'm not having, like, so such a visceral reaction. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just crazy. And at this point, I'm just ready. I'm hoping things will change with when we get a new president. I don't know. But, I mean, I hope I can't be any worse than this. Yeah. Um, so I'm just hope I'm just looking forward toward to next week and, like, what's to come i'm kind of trying not to like dwell too much on the past because at this point it's almost over yeah that's fair i i find myself almost kind of worried for next week which i mean i think that i think part of that is you know obviously seeing what happened at the capitol and the other part of that is just from from doom scrolling and watching the news i mean um but like you can't turn away from the news right you like you've got to stay informed and so there there are credible threats against the capitol and all 50 state capitals as well and so i mean uh, it's a scary, scary time, which I feel like we say that every single week about something different every time, but it's a scary time. It really is. It, yeah, it, it's really, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I'm trying to be hopeful, but it, it can be hard. It can be really hard. It can be really hard, really hard. So, um, the episodes got postponed, like probably about like 10 minutes before they aired. We were, cause up after, you know, after everything had happened and going into the nighttime, we were like, so are we still doing a one Chicago Wednesday? Like, is this happening? Oh, and, and then it was like 7 PM my time Eastern. And I was like, so are we still happening? <laughs> cause it's on the TV guide. I don't understand. Yeah. And then, yeah, then they made the announcement like literally with like, minutes to spare and i was like okay but definitely the right move the right move for sure it would have it would have felt really weird to um especially given like the content in these three episodes it would have felt really weird to like get all up in our ship feels knowing that what had happened happened but what was really weird was that nbc pulled it like i said with like minutes to spare Mm -hmm. like 10 minutes five minutes i don't remember exactly but yet canada City TV in Canada, which is where they are in Canada, aired 45 minutes of Med and then pulled it. <laughs> what at that? What at that point? What I also don't understand is why would you pull it in the literally the middle of the episode? Just finish the episode if you made it that far. I know. Like why did you? Why did you pull it in the middle of the episode if you literally made it 45 minutes in? Just finish the dang episode and then 
like, you know, air reruns of fire and PD, but I don't know. I mean, granted, I, I guess if I guess pulling it 45 minutes in made sense because there is a big moment at the end of Med. Yes, my favorite moment. But which anyway, that was kind of how we figured out was I got a tweet. Well, we were on Zoom. It was us and our friend Jennifer and we just kind of need to decompress, hang out, whatever. And so we were all like checking Twitter or whatever. And I was like, what is this tweet that I just got? And it was from a listener who was like, I bet Brian is loving all these Mansell scenes. And I was like, how do you know about the Mansell scenes? I know Mansell scenes, but how do you know about the Mansell scenes? And then I realized that he's in Canada. And yeah, but it was just a whole, I was like, what? But yes, everyone has now seen the Mansell scene, which my heart, I still can't like, oh. I enjoyed it. I'm not going to lie. My faves. My faves. My med faves. I love them. Love it. Love it. So, um, yeah. So, Canada got 45 minutes. Um, which okay. I, I'm, I am, I'm like, as, as as much as that sucks for Canada, I am glad that they pulled it. Because, I mean, even on our Zoom chat, we were like, well, shit, like something major happens to it on PD. Like, they're going to see it and they're going to spoil it for everybody. Yeah. Tur- turns out we didn't need to worry about Canada. Um, yeah. It got spoiled anyway. It got spoiled anyway. Got spoiled anyway. Y'all, I am the last person to police the fandom. I absolutely hate when people do that. And I speak from experience because, hi, I'm in the Supernatural fandom. Like, give me another <laughs> fandom that is more overly policed than that. Okay, The 100. I mean, but that's I was going to say back in the day, but yes. Yeah. No, I do not stand for policing a fandom. However, however, spoilers before an episode airs. That crosses a line. Yeah. I'm like, I get it. It's fun to be excited by things, especially when sneak peeks drop and whatever. But, like, there's a difference between sneak peeks and things that are legit just spoilers. And if you want to enjoy it, fine. Like, I have no problem with, like, if you see it and you want to watch it, yeah, it sucks. But, like, okay, fine. That's your prerogative, right? Like, you're choosing to be spoiled. Mm -hmm. My issue with it is if it's before an episode is actually aired, I hate when people are going and posting all the gifts and posting, like, making it their, uh, like, Twitter profile pictures and, you know, like, a way for that people, like, it can't be avoided. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, if you make it your Twitter profile picture, it doesn't matter. You can have hashtags muted and anything like that, but people are still going to see it mm-hmm. because it's your freaking Twitter profile picture. Like, that's just not cool. It's it's not cool. No. No, um, it's not cool. And it, it, it's disappointing. And, like, I feel bad for I feel I feel bad for the fans who were basically deprived of the moment that we had watching the screeners where I mean screaming at the screen like screaming at the TV. I was I mean it's we tell this story in the episode which you're about to hear but like I mean it was like midnight on a Saturday night and I'm like holy shit I need Gina to watch this I can't and then yeah I mean we literally Skyped at like 12:30 in the morning my time because we couldn't. We had to talk about it. Also, we can't say what it is. Like, we can't bring I, ourselves to do it. I'm not saying it. It's going to be it. It, it, it. I don't it. care. Even though you guys already know by now. Uh, but, yeah, it's just, like, it really sucks. And, like, one of the things we've been waiting for, I mean, again, it's been, like, almost three weeks now since we saw these episodes. And the thing that we've constantly been talking about was, like, I can't wait for the moment when the internet breaks. Or the fandom, at least, breaks. The internet's mm-hmm. not going to break. But the fandom's going to break. Regardless of how you feel that upset, good or bad, like it's still just gonna be a moment, and like that kind of got taken away because it was spoiled on Twitter, and it's you know it just sucks. Like the whole thing sucks. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it does suck. It really sucks. And so um, this happened a lot inside of the 100 fandom um, to the point that the CW stopped giving anybody access to screeners. So, you know, it's not something where one person gets punished. It's something where multiple people get punished. So it's just, you know, not, you know, spoilers, they, yeah, they seem nice, but people usually suffer consequences once they're released. So just, you know, sucks. Yeah. Like I said, we were really excited for the moment it was going to break, but. It's still a pretty great moment. I mean, it's an amazing moment and we will fangirl about it forever to come. And I think it's going to change a lot of things, but yeah, it's still a great moment, but it's, you know. I'm going to burn that gif into my brain for, like, the rest of time. Seriously, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. So, um, yeah, like we said, we recorded this episode about two weeks ago. We just wanted to pop in and, you know, say a little something beforehand. That's why, you know, the news might not be up to date. Or, you know, we seem extra bubbly and not just like, oh, God, we're so afraid for this nation's future. Um <laughs> So that's that. Uh, the other thing, too, is that we there, there won't be any new episodes next week because of the inauguration. And we know that now. We did not know that two weeks ago. <laughs> and so we don't know what we're going to do. We're going to do something. We just don't know yet. We just don't yeah, know what so yet. Just ignore us when we talk about like next week and the fact that we haven't seen promos because uh, ne- there are no new episodes next week. There still may be promos, but we not next week. We don't freaking not know. for episodes there. Yeah. So um, you guys go enjoy the episode. We had a lot of fun recording it and freaking out. And so um, in the meantime, you guys just just stay healthy, stay safe. Just do what you can to be well. It's just a crazy ass time out there. So um, we'll shut up now. But in the meantime, go listen to the episode. Go enjoy. (laughs) Brian, it happened. I know. What a night. What a night. What a night. Oh, what a night. What did we just see? Pure magic. Um, <laughs> yes, pure magic. Pure freaking magic. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Um, welcome to episode 166 of Meet Us at Molly's, where we are covering the episodes you just saw, 603, 903, and 803. Basically, the mid-season premieres. But are they really mid-season premieres, though? I mean, I think so. In, like, you know, in, in title, in formality, Yes, I guess technically they came back the first week of January. That is a mid-season premiere, but. Also, that was definitely the second time we had to record that intro because somebody we know, hi, me, um, did not hit record. (laughs) That was a pretty good re-record, though. That was a pretty good re-record. At least we didn't get too far into the episode, right? Imagine if we got like halfway through and I was like, oh, shit. I would have been so mad. I know. I, I know. Like, and goodbye. We'll k- pick this up tomorrow. <laughs> Brian would be like, and we need a new host. Um, and I'm going to bed. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Mid-season premiere night was pretty freaking perfect. For the most part. For the most part. I do have. Okay. I mean, yeah, there are a couple little areas, but like in terms of what I we have. They were great episodes mm-hmm. i have issues with character decisions and storylines not actually the episodes themselves i thought all three episodes were pretty good yeah like from a, like a writing standpoint i i enjoyed all three episodes i think i have issues with some character things but we'll get there we'll, we'll get, get there. there we'll get there so as always we do start off with news we have a little bit um we got an unscripted episode with joe minoso and roxy sternberg 
Uh, Roxy okay. is on FBI Most Wanted. Okay. Now that you guys have seen our interview and our one Chicago trivia stuff that we did with Joe and Marina and Nick, I need to know, do you think Joe had already recorded his unscripted conversation when we asked him that question? I kind of hope or not. Did, because we technically recorded that conversation like at November 30th. No, no, it was my birthday. We did it on December 7th. I think, okay. So yeah, your birthday. But so do you think they recorded that unscripted episode after? I'm just curious if we think Joe already knew he was doing it with Roxy or not. Um, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he did it after. They're pretty recent usually. Yeah, generally. I was just curious. So um, I'll admit though, I didn't get to watch this one in its entirety. Did you? I haven't finished it yet. Sometimes they're just long and I just don't have time to like finish them. But I do I do always go back and finish them at some point. Yeah. So um, Roxy's on FBI Most Wanted. So uh, and, and knowing Joe, I mean, he's Joe could make conversation with anybody and it's perfect. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So um, we hope you guys liked our video, by the way. We had so much fun. So much Literally fun. The best 30 minutes ever. <laughs> and like we could have kept going for hours like nick and marina were ready to fight to the death <laughs> yeah we had way more trivia questions too but obviously we only got 30 minutes but that was really fun oh my god we had so much fun so much fun um best birthday present ever yes yeah i know i really wish i got i really should have said that it was your birthday i really wanted them to sing to you but i didn't we didn't get to it um i would have died <laughs> would have died <laughs> um yeah i'm officially calling 2020 the year i only wore makeup for joe minoso because basically uh, the, <laughs> literally the like march happened the pandemic happened we interviewed joe in, in april and i wore makeup for that i literally did not wear makeup again pretty much until my birthday so literally 2020 is just the year that i wore makeup only for I joe minoso though for the green power ranger um i put on like eye makeup do i mean do we even count that really yes okay okay and yes yes brina said the green power ranger i'm a nerd hi um <laughs> yeah but like full makeup yeah oh okay i got you i got you <laughs> the green ranger is only worthy of my eyes <laughs> just kidding um Guys, I mean, we're a little giddy tonight. You've just got to, like, give us some leeway here. you got to deal because we're just, like, we're just as happy as you are, so. Yeah, I'm drinking wine, so. In her bachelor glass, too. Yeah, it's the only glass I have right now because all my other glasses are still packed away in, like, my apartment stuff that's in storage. Mm-hmm. So this is the only one I have, like, in my house. Nice. Nice. So just going for it yeah oh my god we had so much fun and um don't forget to check the stuff on our insta today too of the questions that didn't quite make uh the trivia oh it was it was so much fun like it was was so much fun um yeah so we've also got episode descriptions these are for episodes four which will air next week on january 13th so we're assuming we obviously are recording this before wednesday january 6th so we're assuming that we're getting episodes on January 13th. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're coming to you live from last year. Ooh. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Chicago Med season six, episode four. This is called In Search of Forgiveness, Not Permission. You notice how Med is still doing the thing where the title is as long as like the number of seasons. 
I love it. It's my favorite thing. Okay, but what happens when we get to like 15 and 20? Like the titles are going to be like freaking Fallout Boy lyrics. I'm okay with that. I just think it's the coolest little thing. Like, I just think that's so cool. Okay. Okay. That's cool. No, I like it too. It's just, you know, when we get up there in seasons, like if SVU were to do it, we'd be sitting here for like 30 minutes just rattling off the title. Eh. <laughs> so Dr. Marcel and Dr. Manning lay everything on the line to assist a sick woman. Dr. Halstead faces an uphill battle in getting participants involved in his clinical trial. Dr. Choi clashes with a patient who demands absolute perfection of himself. Okay. So. Okay. So, so Marcel and Manning, that's like same old, same old, right? Give me all the Marcel and Dr. Manning content. Like in, <laughs> I will get there. We'll get there. But like. Bryna is ready to go. Oh, yeah. Ready uh, to go. Uh, um, okay, so Will faces an uphill battle in getting participants involved in his clinical trial. I mean, he did that this week, too. So, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr. Choi clashing with somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does okay. he clash with a patient, or does he just kind of look in the mirror and clash with his mirror image of, like, somebody demanding perfection of themselves? This says clashes with the patient. I know. I'm, I'm being sarcastic. Oh, I, I gotcha. But, who knows? Probably both. Um, Bryna just took a bite of a cookie, so I'm going to take us through fire. So <laughs> Chicago Fire season nine, episode four. This is called Funny What Things Remind Us. While completing a task assigned to him by headquarters, Bowden makes an unforeseen connection. When the firehouse is called to the site of a construction explosion, Gallo is forced to make a surprise rescue to one of their own and Mouch reignites an old feud. Hmm. Okay. Couple questions. I'm intrigued. Well, comments, I guess. I'm intrigued by this Bowden unforeseen connection. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means, but I'm intrigued. Um, I don't know who Gallo's rescuing, but like, can we not hurt somebody, please? Okay, thanks. Yeah, please. And I don't know who Mouch is reigniting an old feud with, but part of me wants to say like Gorsh or something. I don't know. Okay, but okay, but wait. I'm I'm not in favor. Of, you know, the the damsel in distress routine is like passe. Obviously, we're completely past that. But what if it's Gianna? I'd be here for that. I mean, but like, make it cute. Obviously, not again. Not the whole like damsel in distress routine. Whatever. But like, make it cute. Okay, but more importantly, can we not hurt somebody, please? More important. Yes, that is more important. I like. I'm, I don't need anyone else getting hurt. Casey almost got hurt this week. Like, I don't need it. I don't need it. <laughs> Although it says to one of their own. It doesn't say, like, a member of the firehouse. <laughs> Sorry. It could just be a fellow firefighter. I guess. But I feel like that. I, I don't know. I, I, like could, I could see Mouch reigniting a feud with Gorsh, especially after this week. That's what I meant. More wise than Gorsh. But, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. All right, Brenna, take us through PD, please. Okay. PD 804 is titled Unforgiven. A cop is murdered, and a suspicion falls on someone who has been holding a grudge against the officer. Intelligence works hard to solve the case, but Deputy Superintendent Samantha Miller is hesitant to defend him until she knows the whole story. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Someone who's been holding a grudge against the officer. Okay. So basically Voight's going to be like, this is the suspect. And Samantha's going to be like, hold your role. Yeah, I think so. That sounds about right. 
Mm. Yeah. So. so. Um, that's about all we've got for the news. As always, you guys know the drill. If you see something, send it to us. You're really helpful. Um, especially, again, big internet, two of us. Sometimes we do other things that don't have to do with one Chicago, you know, um, like binge Bridgerton or watch the Wizards. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, help us out with that. That's great. We appreciate it. You guys did that with the episode descriptions this week because we definitely have just been like, you know, trying to like make the sprint to the finish line of the crap fest that is 2020. Um, but again, you know, we're coming to you from the past. Ooh. Anyway. Uh, we do have a couple patron shout outs this week. Uh, Jessica Berry, she's one of our newest patrons. Thank you so much, friend. Um, Jessica is actually all the way down in Australia. So that, it's just so cool to, when we like when we find out like where our other listeners are from and it's just like the array internationally. It's so cool. Yeah. And Jessica actually also binged, listened, binge listened to all of Mita Somali's like over quarantine, which was really fun to hear her thoughts on like episodes we did three years ago <laughs> yeah three years worth of episodes like that's impressive mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah um we also have colleen Hare. colleen thank you so much for being a patron yes yes we very much appreciate it very very much um again if you guys would like to support the pod for as little as two dollars a month you guys can do that a link to our patreon is in our bio on like all of our social medias um yeah, and I mean, you got, like, again, podcast shout-outs, access to our Facebook group, bonus episodes, which we did just do our bonus episode last month, um, our first bonus episode. Um, we covered Patty's episode of SVU all the way back from, like, season five. So um, if you want to hear us talk about things like that, you know, definitely give it a look. Uh, but, yeah, can starts as low as $2 a month. So check that out. Okay. Are we ready to jump into the episodes? Let's do it. Let's freaking do it. Okay. I feel like Stefan from Saturday Night Live. Like, do you know that character from Weekend Update who's always like talking about mm-hmm. like, okay. Like, I'm just like, these episodes have everything. Like, Natalie and Crockett, um, Blake saves Casey, and Stella Ride, and Sniper J. And like, I feel like Stefan. I'm just like, this has everything. Um, yeah. I, it really I, does, though. It really does. Oh, my God. And a cigar chat? We got a cigar chat this week? What is life? Although. 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 A cigar chat is a cigar chat, okay? It is. And I, I, hey, I am one to love a cigar chat just as much as the next person. I'm not a fan of kind of what happened in the cigar chat, but we'll get there. Eh. We'll get there. Okay. So we're going to start with Med. Um, And... Brenda's really excited about this, but yes, we're going to start with Med. So we're going to start with Ethan. I almost called him April again. I almost did it again. You guys, we're just so pumped. Like words are jumbling over each other. (laughs) So like, again, just, just, just bear with us. Okay. So we're starting off with April and Ethan and Dr. Charles. There we go. Had to sound it out. Okay. So we start the episode and it's a celebration because there is a COVID patient going home. This is what I wanted to see. I was hoping they were going to balance this with, you know, the the sad, but also the good. So, uh, yeah, it's nice to see because April, April especially really feels like she's making a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Goodwin is over FaceTime, like on the iPad or whatever. And she's telling Choi that the board's concerned about projections for next month, like budget stuff. 
And she's just like, why don't you go ahead and take a look at how you're allocating the staff? Um, is Ipetha ever going to set foot inside of Med at all this season? I don't know. I feel like not. Like, just based on how, obviously, we're only three episodes in. Um, but I would say no. Hmm. I mean, it's kind of weird to think about, but it also works right now. So, yeah. I Yeah, but no, I don't think so. No. So, uh, yeah, so Goodwin's just like, you know, take a look at how you're allocating the staff, which is really code for get April out of the COVID wing. I don't know how it comes to that, but that's basically what it is. So while that's going on, Dr. Charles gets a call from his ex-wife. The transfer to Arizona went through. She took the job. They're leaving in a month. So Dr. Charles is like, okay, well, hang on a second. Like, that's in direct violation of our divorce decree. Uh, which makes perfect sense to me, but I realize not everybody speaks that language. But um, he even says, he's like, do we really want to end up in court over this? So we'll see where that goes. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Ethan tells April that he has to take her off the COVID. <laughs> Sorry, I keep nodding. Um, yeah, Ethan tells April he has to take her out of the COVID wing. And April handles it about as well as you would expect. This is where I have a pro- I have a problem with this all of April's reactions to this whole thing. I feel like she thinks it's personal. Every decision Ethan makes, she takes personally. Right. Like, here's the thing. If the hospital rules are you're only supposed to be on COVID for what? Like a week or two weeks at the most? Mm -hmm. And she's been on for over a month? Like, you gotta come off. Like, I don't understand. If this was any other job and any other person telling her to do this, she may still be a little mad, but she doesn't have this reaction. No. And I get that it's important, and I get that she feels like she's making a difference, but it really made me mad the way that she was like, you know how important this is to me. Yes, but that doesn't mean you st- <sighs> It makes me so mad. <laughs> Literally, and not just in this episode, I feel like in general, every time Ethan makes a decision, April's like, how could you do that to me? And Ethan's like, what? I just got a candy bar instead of chips from the vending machine. Why are you taking that personally? Right. It makes me so mad. Yeah. yeah. So mad. She does some pouting, too. Like, big time pouting. It, it's, yeah. Not mm-hmm. a good look. Not a good look. No. 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 So... Ethan sends April and Dr. Charles to deal with this girl who basically needs an IV and antibiotics, but like she's got a, she's got some anxiety about needles. And even in this moment, Ethan's like, hey, could you guys go in and do this together? And April's just like, whatever you say, chief. Yeah, well, and then Dr. Charles notices, of course, and asks April, like, is everything okay? And she's like, Ethan needs me off the COVID war despite knowing how I feel about it. And I'm just like, yeah, he did. He did. That's his job. Yeah. Sorry. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, I'm like, it made me, like, literally nothing made me madder this week than this. (laughs) Uh, And it was the way that she, like, she she added in that last part. She's like, Ethan ate me off the COVID word. And then, like, she waits, and then she's like, despite knowing how I feel about it. Right. It just makes me so mad. Like, you would not do this to literally anyone else. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, she may be, like, a little mad, of course. I'm not – April will probably be mad, but whatever. But she would not say all this shit if anyone else was telling her to do this but Ethan. Yeah, like, Goodwin tells her to do it. Will tells her to do it. She'll still do it. But with Ethan, she's like, ah, but, but, but. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good. It's, no, it really isn't. No. 
So they go see this girl. They get the IV started. Uh, but she she's pretty, like, mechanical in the way she talks. So Dr. Charles is like, okay, you know, I get that you're anxious, but this goes best if we talk about movies or something. And so he tries to find a way to distract her. And she starts relaying backstory just, like, very mechanically, very, like, detailed. She's just like, yep, I babysit two boys, their brother and sister, or, you know, a boy and a girl, their brother and sister. This is how old they are. Um, so as they're leaving April and Dr. Charles are like, okay, well that was weird. Like that was weird. Mm-hmm. So Ethan decides to give her a supplement cause she had some sort of deficiency and she messes up the story that she had told them earlier about babysitting the kids. So Dr. Charles is concerned that maybe she had been abducted. I thought they were going into some sort of like human trafficking thing. Um, yeah, I wasn't really sure where they were going. I mean, I, once they kind of said, oh, she's been abducted, I was like, oh, clearly she's been abducted. That was kind of then made sense. But yeah, I wasn't sure in the beginning where they were going to go with this. Right, right. So, um, yeah, Ethan's like, okay, well, there's not a lot we can do here. But April's like, okay, well, we're going to figure out a way to take her picture without her knowing and running it through the missing person's database. Because that's Ethan and April, right? Ethan's like, let's not do anything. And April's like, well, fuck that. Yeah, again, over, over, over everything, Ethan and April, over it. They're not, they're, they're, they're bad. It's just so toxic. Yeah. Like, this is the definition of why they should not be together. This episode right here. I have to agree with that. I have yeah, to agree. It, it really, like, oh, kills me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So PD runs the photo. They don't find anything. This girl wants to leave, but they're both like, no, you've got to stay. You know, like, you got to stay. So Ethan hands her an iPad. She doesn't even know what it is. But Dr. Charles is like, okay, well, maybe we're not looking for a missing adult, but instead we're looking for a m- missing kid. Um, Ethan still refuses to keep her. So April, of course, is just like, how could you do that to me? Because, again... Everything Ethan does, she takes personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, April pretty much does like a storm off because she's just like, oh, you're not giving me what I want. And Dr. Charles looks at him and he's like, listen, I understand the pressure you're under, but are you sure this is how you want to run your ED? I am enjoying everybody just kind of being like, so Ethan, I get it. You're in charge. But also, here's how you're fucking up. <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, I do enjoy i won't say i hate everything ethan and april like i do enjoy april when she was on the covid ward like i do like like that part i do like seeing Ethan go through the trials of being a first-time chief and trying to figure it out like i am enjoying that part i just more meant that comment about the sex toy of it all Mm -hmm. that part i am like so over yeah um but yeah i do kind of enjoy seeing ethan struggle a little bit too Mm -hmm. and like figure it out and be like I think I'll be curious to see through the rest of the season how Ethan finds his own way as a chief, like balances what everyone expects of him. And like Goodwin was saying, you know, the board's projections, how they don't match what his projections were. And like, so balancing what everyone thinks he should do versus like what he wants to do and thinks he should do. So I'll, I'll be curious to see how that balance goes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Dr. Charles and April, they're going through missing child photos. April makes another comment about how she's mad at Ethan for taking her off the COVID ward because she just can't let it go. (laughs) Literally. She's like, 
at least there I felt like I was making an impact. Like, I found myself who I am. And she's like, and Ethan took that away from me. I'm just like, girl. Was there a double meaning there, though? Was she talking about, like, the bigger picture? What do you mean the bigger picture? Like, all the shit that went down when they were together. No, I think she literally is talking about the COVID ward. No, she totally is. But, I mean, I... I think you're reading way too much into it if you're talking about the bigger meaning of their relationship. (laughs) Hi, I'm Gina. Have we met? (laughs) I mean, yeah, I know. That's why I'm saying that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, you know... April is still just like, wah, 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 poor me. Ethan took me off the COVID word. And then Ethan comes in and he's like, okay, I found an app that could de-age the picture of the girl. And I think it might help us find a match. First of all, Ethan is tech savvy enough to know that there's an app out there that messes with people's faces. Apparently. I mean, did he ask like, he probably asked one of the millennials on staff and was like, do you know if there's an app that does this? Do we even have millennials? I mean, I guess there are millennials on staff. We just don't know them. But I mean, I guess we have to assume that Elsa is still like running around somewhere. Yeah. And Terry, I guess somewhere (laughs) way, (laughs) way. And I guess Noah's there, too. But we haven't seen him yet. Yeah, I miss Noah. Can Noah come back now? I know. Roland, we miss you. We miss you. Yep. (laughs) XOXO, your friends from the podcast. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, they 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 de-age the girl with the app. Like Ethan successfully uses the app, which like okay, good job. Uh, what I feel like though, okay, can we go back to this app for a second, real quick. Yeah, I feel like that app did too good of a job. Like I feel like any of those apps, you know, where they take like, put you know, a girl and a boy's picture and morph things together and see like what future babies look like or whatever. They mm-hmm. never actually look that great the babies like I feel like this app did too good of a job in de-aging her I would have freaking loved it if Ethan just used the baby filter on Snapchat and was like here go off of this I actually would have really liked that I would have been like that's hilarious you know how like when those apps or websites or whatever where they take like a mom and a dad and like morph them together to see like what potential babies look like yeah I just feel like this app did too good of a job like it looked too real Mm -hmm. I don't know yeah, and they were looking for, like, the exact match. I was like, yeah, guys, that's not how this works. No. No. No, no. But uh, maybe Ethan downloaded one of those apps, and now he's got spam, like, all over his phone and computer because of it. He's like, oh, the things I do for April. There's a virus on my computer. Probably. <laughs> but he'll never tell her because they don't communicate. No. 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 Not anymore. Nope. Not anymore. Not that they never did. What are you talking about? I mean, yes, I, yes, no, (laughs) yeah. So Petey comes to talk to the girl and she's like, I'm not the one who's missing. Like, that's not me. The girl tries to leave, but they stop her basically saying that she's on a hold. So like Ethan tries to come across as a hard ass, but like the minute something goes awry, he's like, all right, fine. I see April's point. So when she goes to run, he immediately like utters his favorite word. And he's like, security. Like, remember when he pulled that on Severide? (laughs) Oh, don't remind me. Don't remind me. Is Ethan like the hospital Karen? He's just like, security! Like, I want to talk to a manager! (laughs) Yes. Guys, we were just really excited to have these episodes back. Just, (laughs) um, yeah. So the minute he said that, I was like, oh, remember that time he did it to Severide? That's like his favorite word. Uh, Don't remind me. Don't remind me. I know. I think we're still bitter about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The same way that Will tried to kill Severide in the Med Backdoor pilot, like, 
we could probably say, we could draw like a really loose parallel and be like, Ethan tried to kill Stella, which is not the case at all. But, you know, anytime we want to be mad at Ethan for no reason, maybe that could work. Mm-hmm. I digress. Anyway. So they they track down the missing girl's mom. They're like, yeah, we think we found her. They try to convince her to come to the hospital, but she refuses because she's like, no, I'm chasing ghosts. I've done this before. I don't want to do it. April talks to the girl and shows her a teddy bear that she stole from the mom's house. Just <sighs> casual theft. Because April, of course, will April. Yeah. Only April Sexton. Only April Sexton. Literally, she, like, like covertly, too. She just, like, sees the teddy bear and it's like, I'm gonna just swipe that. Well, no, you literally don't even see her swiping it. It's like she sees the teddy bear and then the next thing you know, we're at med. April's talking to the girl and she, like, pulls the teddy bear out of your bag. And you're like, did she just? <laughs> I think she did. Did she? Did... Okay. That's the kind of thing where if Ethan gets pissed, I actually understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it triggers something in the girl because then she admits that she is the girl who was abducted. And so mom and daughter reunite and April basically realizes like, oh, yeah, OK, Dr. Charles was right. I do find a way to make myself useful everywhere I go, which like, duh, were you doubting yourself the whole time, April? Like smack. Yeah. Um, also, it really bugged me. I could not figure out who this girl looked like this whole time. Like, I could not figure it out. She looked kind of like, do you know who Victoria Justice is? I do, actually. Not that old. She kind of looked like that, but mm-hmm. I it's not it's not like an exact match. I don't know. She just looked very like someone in Hollywood and I could not figure it out. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. Could not figure it out. It was bugging the hell out of me both times I've watched this episode so far. <laughs> so yeah, so that's 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 April and Ethan, which like I just I wish April would believe in herself more often. Like, does she even know what she's capable of? Like all the badass shit she was doing in the COVID word? Obviously she does because she was throwing a hissy fit with Ethan. Yeah, I was going to say, yes, I think she's realized it now, but I'm still, and this, again, this is what sucks, because I do like April on the COVID ward. I do. But, like, girl, you got to do your job when your boss tells you you got to go do something else. You got to do it. Like, don't throw the fucking hissy fit. You will be back on the COVID ward eventually. Yep. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. All you're doing by bitching is making work harder for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by everyone else we mean ethan yes and dr charles who has to listen to you on load granted he is the therapist so yes it said that's literally his job i know i know all right next up we have natalie and marcel and when i tell you that Bryna is just like ripping and ready to go you can't see the smile on her face right now but Bryna, i'm so excited take oh it away texted you yesterday when i was re-watching this work on the outline i literally sent you a screenshot i know of the last scene and i was like no not me still freaking out about this scene nope not at all like nope just, just kidding i'm totally freaking out okay we were hashtag blessed this week across all three shows except fire but yes anyway hmm. okay natalie and marcel so this episode starts and they are like hardcore flirting over their body temperatures, which is like really weird, but like they are hardcore flirting. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like it's so cringe. Like, is that what it's doctors so- flirt with? 
Yeah, I was like, on the one hand, I was like, yes, they're hardcore flirting. This is amazing. But then on the other hand, I was like, no, this is so weird. No, this, <laughs> no what is this conversation? How bad was it when Marcel was like, I'm like 98.7 and Natalie was like, Ooh. oh my God, it's so bad. No, no, no. I'm like, no, I literally. It was so bad. I'm literally getting like chills, not in a good way, just hearing you say that. No. Like, no. I tend to rip hot. Weird. And so Marcel leaves. And of course, Maggie picks up on it and makes a comment to Natalie. And Natalie's like, no, we're not doing anything. No, that's we. No, there's nothing going on. There totally is. But she denies everything. So Marcel, Natalie and Lannick, because thank God, Lannick is not actually gone. Oh, no. He, I had to like pause it. I had to like rewind the scene a couple times just so I could read what his thing said on his scrubs. He is the chief of trauma. Good job. That is some detective work. It took me a second, but I figured it out. The chief of trauma uh, who literally just stands there. That is his only job in this episode <laughs> is just to stand. I noticed that too. But what I don't understand. Okay. This is where I really wish Nate hadn't gotten off of Instagram. So we could find a way to get him on the podcast again because I have questions. Mm -hmm. I want to know why all of a sudden he's not the ED chief, but he's like, oh yeah, I'm not going to be the chief of the ED anymore, but I'm just going to go to trauma. I don't know, man. And also, I kind of assumed, I know some shows have them separate, but I just kind of assumed if you were the chief of trauma, you were also like in the ED. Like I didn't realize they were really two different things. Is Owen Hunt the chief of the ED and on Grey's? I don't know, but I just kind of assumed because he's always in the ED. I just kind of assumed he was. Hmm. Like they don't really have like a chief of the ED, right? I don't, I'm not on that show. Of, right, and I'm trying to think of like other medical shows. Like I don't think they really have like I feel like they have one or the either uh-huh. or one or the other. I don't know. Anyway, it just was something I was thinking about. Again, just overthinking things here. <laughs> so anyway, Marcel, Lanik, Natalie, they get a patient who's a paramedic and she was stabbed in the side. And Marcel knows the girl, of course, and like knows the girl. And as soon as Marcel recognizes her and they start talking, Natalie's like immediately jealous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, like, you know each other. This girl rolls in. Natalie, yeah, Natalie is like immediately jealous. And it's not necessarily a good look for Natalie. No, she uh, does not do subtle very well. I will say, though, I feel like this was better than any kind of jealousy she displayed when she and Will were together. Like, this was at least a more calm jealousy. I could handle this a little bit better. <laughs> Yeah, and she she didn't spend the whole episode, like, brooding around. She actually did something about it at the end. Yes. Mm-hmm. Agree. Yes. Yes. Anyway, so this paramedic girl, who we've literally never seen before, but whatever, um, she's worried that she might need surgeries and she's getting married in two weeks. And Marcel's like, it really just depends on what the CT says, whatever. Um, so Marcel and Natalie walk out. And Natalie, of course, can't keep her mouth shut. This is where... I'm like, girl, what are you doing? And she's just like, are there any women in Chicago you haven't had a Sazerac with? And he's just like, there's a few still on my list. I, at least, okay, well, at least it's not like Severide where the question was, are there any women in Chicago you have not slept with? 
At least it's a little bit more covert. Also, so by the paramedic getting married in two weeks, are we implying that she was cheating on her fiancé with Crockett? No, because he doesn't even seem to know that she was engaged. I feel like my my implication is that maybe she just got engaged pretty fast. Hmm. And, like, this happened after she was with Crockett. Also, also... What bar in Chicago is serving up Sazeracs, okay? I just Googled it again because I was like, I've never had this drink. What the hell is this? There's two different types of bitters. Do you know the work that goes into this drink? Like, if you walk into, like, a freaking TGI Fridays and order a Sazerac, they're going to laugh you out of the place. Probably whatever that bar Jay and Haley were at in this episode. That's true. Um, This particular recipe that I found from the very reputable website, um, (laughs) liquor.com, says that it calls for absinthe. What the fuck is that? Isn't absinthe not available in the U.S.? Or am I just thinking of that movie Euro Trip from like 15 or 16 years ago? Don't know. Don't but know. Also, there's two different types of bitters. Like, I didn't even know there were different types of bitters. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um. Okay, but we got to go back. Okay. So, Marcel says like, well, there's still a few on my list. The thing that I was okay with about, because it wasn't like a total Marcel cocky response. I felt like that was so directed at Natalie. Like oh, so yeah. directed. And and like Natalie ends up walking away from the conversation and like Marcel sighs because Natalie just doesn't seem to get it. <laughs> yeah. Like he does the sigh and I'm like, no, like you got game, Marcel. Don't worry. That was, that was actually pretty good. Don't worry about that. Yeah. And like Natalie just doesn't get it. I'm like, girl. I don't understand how you don't... <laughs> no, he was flirting back. He was flirting back. <laughs> I, I just like... Anyway. Okay, so in addition to kind of helping with this paramedic, whatever, um, Natalie's also in telemedicine this week, which I was actually kind of glad they did some telemedicine stuff. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen it yet, so no. I was just kind of glad. Um, and so her patient's an older woman who has some stomach issues. Of course, the patient doesn't want to come in, so there's not really a lot that Natalie can do without her coming in. Um, but Natalie's like, well, if the symptoms get worse, like, call me back. Um, I, the minute she said that her hands were tingling, I was like, I, I've got it. I diagnosed her already. Really? Because I had no idea what the, we'll get there in a second. <laughs> anyway. So, the paramedic scans come back okay. Marcel's, like, satisfied. But Natalie's concerned that he's being too conservative with his treatment by not operating on her <laughs> kidney. And... He's like, oh, I'm sorry. Have we met? Because Dr. Natalie Manning doesn't usually advocate for surgery. And I'm like, yeah, Crockett, you're right. Natalie, what is going on with you? Crockett's literally doing our work for us. I know. He's saying everything that is on our minds. <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, but then, of course, the paramedic starts having problems and there's blood in her bag. And so off the surgery, she goes. <laughs> um. Natalie's telehealth patient does call back saying she has more symptoms, but of course is still refusing to come in. So Natalie's like, okay, I'll do some more research. If you agree to come in, should it even get more worse than this? And so Natalie does end up calling her telehealth patient back and diagnoses her with this rare genetic disease called porphyria. Um, when Natalie Googled, I laughed so hard because that literally like that, that happens to me sometimes in my job and people will call and be like, what's the answer to this question? I'm like, you know, you could Google it. Like I'm about to, (laughs) (laughs) um, but you said, you know what porphyria was? 
No, no, I, I I didn't get the Porphyria part when when she was like, oh my, my hands are going numb and everything. I was like, oh, she's having panic attacks because she's lonely. Like, uh, well, yeah. yeah, that part I kind of yeah. And like Gina just said, so Natalie makes a comment about how she would work more ill if she actually had Porphyria. And as it turns out, she doesn't actually have Porphyria. She's just lonely and wants someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. Okay. So paramedic girl makes it through surgery. She's going to be able to walk down the aisle just fine. She's fine. Yada, 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 yada. Okay. Then we get to the end scene. So Marcel is like decompressing on the roof, which I'm kind of loving that Marcel and Natalie's spot or whatever is becoming the roof. Kind of loving that. (laughs) Although I'm sure that roof is like totally CGI and whatever, but it doesn't look that bad. No, it really doesn't. I, I think I agree with you on that one. I think it's one of those like things on a soundstage where like the Chicago backdrop is like literally just a backdrop. Yeah, but it doesn't look like CGI stuff, so I'm okay with it. It's not as bad as the Hallmark movies where you can literally tell when it's a green screen. Yeah. 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 Okay, so Natalie, again, Nat- Marcel's up on the roof, Natalie goes to visit him, and Natalie decides to ask him why he has so many one-night stands. Just flat out ask him that. And she's, he literally is, like, silent through this whole thing. And she's just like, they all end up on the scene, like, with you alone. Or maybe that's the point. And then she, like, doesn't really say anything else. And she, like, goes behind his back, like, hugs him, but not really hugs him. And, like, kisses his shoulder blade and then walks away. And Marcel's just like, what the fuck was that? I don't think he was. Yeah, I don't think that was a what the fuck, though. I think he was like, all right. Not in a bad way. Not in a bad way, like, what the fuck is she doing? But also, like, what? Because that was me. The first time I watched this, I was like, okay, what? (laughs) I mean, I was happy because it's, like, Natalie Marcel. But I was also like, okay, the kiss on the shoulder blade? I thought that part was, like, a little That's a new one. Yeah, that's a new one. I was like, I've never seen that before. But also, like, Natalie Marcel, it's happening. It's happening! We've never seen Natalie be this forward, either. No! It's just, it's such a different relationship than any of the other ones that she's had on the show. Yeah. I'm very, I, I mean, I've obviously been into this for a long time, and I feel very validated right now, but <laughs> I really, like, I don't know if Marcel and Natalie will be endgame, and I, you know, at this point, I don't really care if they're endgame. I'm just into it right now because it's so different, and I feel like it's not, it hasn't gotten toxic yet. Like, I'm very into this relationship right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I, I think Marcel's nature better complements Natalie because she can be, she can loosen up a little bit with him. She can be kind of flirty and bantery with him. And it's not a competition like it is with Will all the time. When I feel like even regardless of like a romantic relationship, I feel like even just in terms of like being work colleagues, Marcel kind of has that easygoing nature already and Natalie tends to be very like serious and you know by the book and this and that not saying that Marcel is not by the book but you know what I mean yeah they just have they approach their work very differently and I feel like it does complement each other typically Uh, even though there may be some headbutting about approaches when they're working together but like that's TV but like they Uh, work it out it's not a situation with Will where they one of them always has to be right to the other's detriment yeah um, but yeah, again, like right now, I don't really care. And I don't know if Natalie and Marcel would be in game. I feel like maybe they will. I don't know, whatever. But I don't even care because I'm very, very, very into this. And again, I feel very validated for my feelings after <laughs> the hug when they got kidnapped. 
feel very validated in that right now. I did love that hug. I did love that hug. Oh, I rewatched it last night because, again, I was in my – not that there's that many Marcel and Natalie scenes to rewatch right now, but, like, that's, like, the number one. And so I rewatched it last night, and it's oh, still so good. I mean, it's a good hug. It's a good hug. It's so good. It's so good. But this – okay. Again, the kiss on the shoulder blade, a little a little weird. I don't really know what I – I don't know. But I'm very into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very, very into this. I'm still not fully on board the ship, but I'm just kind of I'm interested. I'm like sitting on the dock right now. The Marcel and Natalie ship. Don't care. Leading it. Full steam ahead. I'm sitting on the dock, like waving to Bryna from, you know, uh, on the ship. And I'm like, avoid any icebergs. Like, you got this. And I'm on the speedboat being like. Yeah. Yeah. You've taken the speedboat that was like on on the side of the ship. And you're like, bye. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going like full even speed past the head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that's exactly. Natalie, Natalie and Crockett. So, I mean, <gasps> some interesting weeks ahead, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. and they're working together again next week. Um, Again, so into this. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So we've also got Will. Will Will's doing his own thing. Um, You know, he he's working on the drug trial now with Dr. Verani. And this is basically it's it's a it's a heart failure drug. It's a drug that's supposed to help with that. Um, can we just call this episode the one where Will goes full Connor? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, I know it worked out in the end for Will, and we'll get there. But like Will, I was really worried he was gonna go all um, like season one Will too, and this was gonna end up really badly. And I was like, oh god, what are we doing? Yeah. But he lucked out. He did luck out. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, too. He lucked out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Will's talking to Dr. Verani about the, the clinical trial, and he's like, yeah, like, this drug could be a game changer. And, of course, they have a heart failure patient in the ED because, I mean, of course. Of course. Of course. So Will starts asking the patient some questions. He's confused. I'm glad that he was like, Maggie, I want you on this one with me. Because, like, Maggie. And you, he calls her Mags. I love it. I love yeah. it. Love it. Do you think Will knows that he makes better decisions when Maggie's around? No. Clearly. That's a good question for Nick. Let's jot that down. I mean, clearly not. I mean, I think he maybe thinks about his decisions a little bit more. But, like, does he make better decisions? I don't know. I don't really think anyone will truly affect his decision. Will is Will. But, like. Yeah. Good point. Know. Good point. Yeah, so Will mentions the trial and the guy agrees to participate. Will's just like, hi, I'm Dr. Halstead. Hey, I'm in this trial. Want to do it? And the guy's like, okay. And Will's like, great. Um, And Maggie's like, hey, hang on. Slow it down. Um, But Will's like, "Ah, he's making a good choice. Like, we're good. Will is just going full Will, full steam ahead. Will, just Hurricane Will going through the ED. So... The patient's daughter shows up and Will tells her about the clinical trial. She's mad because she's like, dude, I'm his sole caregiver. Like, I I wasn't consulted, which if she has power of attorney over the dad, then she's completely right. Yeah. Yeah. So she also said that his cardiologist suggested an LVAD and that's what she wants. And I mean, I think both of us are off in the corner. Like, have you seen Grey's Anatomy? Like, don't do it. Uh, I wasn't even that. I was more just like, oh, poor daddy. No, no, no. (laughs) 
we had very different reactions to that. But yes, yeah, still Grey's Anatomy. I can't. I will never not hear Elvad and not think about Denny. Same. Never. Same. Never. Yeah. yeah. I will always hear that term and just think of like the the wire being cut. Yeah. Well, and I will always think too. Oh, this is so morbid, but like when Denny dies and Alex picks Izzy up in the dress and like carries her over to the couch, I just can't do it. The yeah. prom dress and the Snow Patrol song and yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 Um, I saw Snow Patrol open for Ed Sheeran like two or three years ago. And um, my boyfriend's younger than me, which we all know, right? And I was having to explain to him, like, because every Snow Patrol song that they would sing, I'm like, listen, you don't understand. Like, all of their songs have been on Grey's. And it usually foreshadows some big disaster. So if I seem anxious right now, that's probably why. (laughs) Have they had, I just thought about this, have they used a Snow Patrol song on Station 19? That is such a good question, but I don't think they have. I feel like we would know if they had. Yeah, I feel like I would have recognized it. And granted, I don't know that many Snow Patrol songs, but I need to do some research. See, and when Snow Patrol, like, was really big, I was in, like, my junior or senior year of high school. So they, yeah, I, I, I know a they couple of them. They were big? Yeah, they, they got big for, like, a second. Um, Oh, I only know they're like one or two hit songs. That's like literally all I know. Yeah, they had Chasing Cars. Um, what's the other one? They, they used it on One Tree Hill. Um, light up, light up, as if you have a choice. Um, that one. They had one on the soundtrack of Dear John, which like you can always, you you can never. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. One. That's the one. Chase me. I'm just looking at Every Snow Patrol song. Like you, you, you know a Snow Patrol song when you hear it. You're just like, oh, this sounds really emo. I bet this is Snow Patrol. Yeah, enter a Snow Patrol song here. If I lay here If I just lay here Would you lie with me And just forget the world Um, we digress. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah, see, see, this is why we don't talk about all bads because it makes a spiral. Um, yeah, so... Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Back to Snow Patrol. They're British? I thought they were, like, Scottish. They're, they, yeah, they're British. They're very British. Okay, back to what, back to Chicago Med. Okay, <laughs> I'm done. I promise. Anyway. Yeah, and on. now I'm starting to think of, like, my early 2000s. Being like, other songs are coming to mind, and I'm like, oh, that was good. I'm like, no, that wasn't them. Oh, that was good, too. No, that wasn't them, either. Um, yeah, like, the, the British, like, rock bands were really big in, like, 2004 or 2003. The only British rock bands I know, the Beatles, One Direction. Oh, my God, Bryna. (laughs) No, I mean, the Beatles are great. Don't get me wrong. Like, I listen to Beatles radio on satellite radio all the time. Um, But the Beatles in One Direction. I'm just shaking my head. So many good ones. There's the Decemberists uh, that are so good. Um, Travis is Scottish, so they're not technically an English band, but they are really good. Um... Star Sailor was really good. I could do this all night. (laughs) Anyway. I mean, Niles, I guess, Irish, but anyway. (laughs) Welcome to Boy Band Chat at Molly's. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, back to med. I mean, as long as we all agree that NSYNC will always be the best boy band ever. Bye. Um, (laughs) See you guys next week. No, I'm just kidding. So. um, I'm going to shut up. Anyway, go on. (laughs) 
<laughs> so Will says that the patient's stats are doing better um, and that he advised cardiology not to come down because he wanted to see if things would improve, get the echo results back, etc. Basically, Will was like, hey, daughter, we're going to do this and then turned back around a couple hours later and was like, oh, yeah, I called that all off. So she's pissed, which like, yeah, I'd be too because Will's going to Will. But and Maggie is even mad at him. And I feel like if Maggie's mad at you, like, mm. And I feel like I feel like Will knows he fucked up when Maggie's mad at him. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like when Maggie's mad at you, like you've done fucked up. Yeah, yeah. And so when like Maggie just has to give him that look, and he's just like, "Oh shit." Um, yeah. So Maggie's like, "Well, are you sure that this trial's not clouding your judgment?" Which like Connor Rhodes, is that you? But that's what I'm saying. Is like even though Maggie's mad at him, like he's still steadfast that like the patient should have been on the trial and like it's fine yeah that's kind of where i was like oh will 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 did you not learn william (sighs) yeah so of course then the patient goes into sudden cardiac arrest because you know of course um so will brings him back but when he tells the daughter that they're gonna have to move him to the icu she completely bitch slaps him (laughs) it's amazing yeah yeah it is amazing and it was one of those that like it came out of nowhere so when it happened i did like the recoil off the couch and went oh yeah it's like yeah 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 and maggie was like oh my god and was like nope nope it's good it's okay it's all right like almost as if to be like i deserve that i deserve that because he did yeah a little bit well yeah he deserved that yeah and we all know how I love Will and how I'm always like, but wait, but no, he he did kind of, yeah, yeah. So Will starts reviewing his new scans, but the daughter had him taken off the case and the daughter gives no more fucks. Like he's in ICU, Will comes in and she stops him and she doesn't even call him Dr. Halston. She's like, Will, you're off the case. <laughs> like she does not care anymore. Mm-hmm. And so he and Maggie convince her to do one last treatment that'll bring him back into a normal rhythm. And Maggie, like, really sticks her head out for Will because Maggie's like, listen, like, he's an idiot, but he's my idiot. And he knows what he's talking about. So I actually think this is going to help. Yeah. Yeah. So Will does the treatment. It's touch and go, but everything works. That's great. Um, The daughter apologizes and she's like, okay. I'm sorry I bitch slapped you, even though I'm not really sorry I bitch slapped you. But go ahead. We can move along with the trial. And that's when Will's like, surprise, the treatment disqualifies him. So, of course, Maggie's like, oh, wow, like, I'm sorry. I thought you had gone full Connor and that, you know, the trial was clouding your judgment. And Will was like, no, like, I think this really does work. And that's that. Although I'm starting to feel like with Will that, like, it's less the... Less about like the whole Hannah thing, because remember how with Hannah we were like, you know, does does he love her or does he just want to save her? I think he just wants like some sort of cause to like believe in. Yeah, no, I I I agree with that. I just Will's gotta be better about like he believes in stuff so hard that sometimes he goes about things the wrong way. Yeah. And that's where it's gonna get him in trouble again. And by get him in trouble, we mean it's not gonna get him in trouble. Well, I mean, get him in trouble. <laughs> Which is really just good when going, I should fire you, but go back to work. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, also, magic. Will's hair is, like, growing out a little bit, and it looks so good. 
Everyone's hair is still very much on point. We'll get to Patty's hair later because oh like, Patty's hair is like on point. Also, I'm very into Nate's hair right now. Yes, it's so like, good. Like Nate with the long hair, it works. It, it works it, so well. Yeah, it really works. And like, and like Will's hair, it, it's grown a little bit more than just from the premiere, and it's just like so perfect. I'm like, okay, this might be like the perfect length. Like, don't get it any, don't let it get any longer, but like, keep it like this. This is actually really kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's oh, hair yeah. is on point. Mwah. Sharp point. Yeah. 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 Um, any other notes on med? No, but very excited about Marcel and Natalie. Just have to say that again. Very excited. I can't wait to see all the gifts of that moment that are going to like that are probably flooding the internet as we speak. I know. Yeah, I know. We're recording this more than a week in advance so like they're not out yet but like i have my screenshot until then so i'm fine (laughs) she's gonna sleep with it under her pillow for the next like eight days (laughs) (laughs) no i'm not that crazy but no but but yeah no i i liked it i i i too saw that moment where she kissed his shoulder and i was like huh but then i was also like i don't hate this i love it i mean i at that moment it's a little weird but i loved everything else about it Okay, hypothetical question for you. Sort of hypothetical. Do you yes. think that the more the more they write for these characters, do you think it's possible that the writers are starting to realize that maybe Natalie and Will are not as good as they thought together? Do you get what I'm I, asking? I, yes, 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 yes. I'd like to think so, but I also wonder... If they kind of have to eventually go back to Will and Natalie, regardless of whether Will and Natalie work up, like work out, just because of kind of like the manstead of it all and the branding, you know, like the branding behind it almost. Yeah. And how synonymous manstead is with Med as a show. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I'm not saying it should dictate what happens on the show. I actually disagree. I think it shouldn't. But I don't know. I mean, we've seen it in other shows where, you know, you think one ship is going to be endgame and then it ends up being another. Yeah. I don't know. Isn't that Uh, the case with Pacey and Joey? I didn't watch enough Dawson's. I I was too young for the beginning of Dawson's. Don't ask me. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, But yeah, so we'll see. We We will see. see. We will see. So... Moving into fire. This episode was a mixed bag. Yeah, I have a lot to say about this episode. I I did leave this episode wanting to scream. Yes, at a few things, at a few Uh, different points. Yeah, okay. So, um, and I mean, I feel like every single single story in this, like, ended with something to scream about. So, I mean, it just doesn't even matter where we start. But we're going to start with Bretzi because, of course. Oh, boy. Okay. Just in case you forgot in the past, like, six weeks where we left off, um, because, you know, that nothing important happened in the midseason finale, Psh, whatever. Um, Casey and Brett made out, and then Brett was like, yeah, so if Gabby were to come back right now, what would happen? And Casey was like, I don't really know. And Brett was like, yeah, bye. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty That's much. Good summary. I mean, Chicago Fire in, like, 20 seconds. Okay, so we resume, and Casey finds Brett at her locker at the very beginning of shift, and he's like, 
can we talk? And Casey's like, listen, like, I don't regret what happened, but it sounds like you do. And before Brett can say anything, the bells go off. So Casey's basically got a total, like, bug up his ass this entire call because of this. Do you think? I know. I mean, maybe partly. I Yeah. Okay. So they go. Yeah. So Casey's all like broody and pissy during this call. And something goes wrong with the aerial rig that we'll talk about in a little bit. But Casey spends most of the call like dangling off the side of this ladder. Uh, so, yeah, Brett's like super worried, whatever. All's well that ends well. Um, and Brett is like, OK, well, I have to look at the cut on your face. Like, let's fix this. And she puts a bandage on it, whatever. And Gianna just kind of like clocks it. Gianna's like, all right, like I, I see I see some things happening here. Like, OK, cool. So as they're leaving Ned, Mackie is like, okay, so am I stupid? Or like, did I notice something between you you and, uh, and Casey? And Brett's like, no, no, like Casey's definitely not my boyfriend. Okay, whatever. So Brett goes to Casey's quarters after they get back and they finish their talk from earlier. And I was really surprised at the outcome from this. Meaning you were surprised that brett says she like wants space like i don't what part of the surprise that that's what i was surprised about was that brett was like no like we we need to stop this like i need space i guess it didn't surprise me because we saw part of this conversation in the promo so like it didn't totally surprise me um i'm not mad i guess this is the best time to talk about it like i'm not mad that brett wants space like i think that makes the most sense like until Casey can kind of figure out what the fuck is going on in his head, like, I think it's right for Brett to be like, no, figure it out. Um, you know, I don't want to be the second choice. I think that's the right move. But also, like, Casey, get your shit together. Yeah. And just yeah. say, like, we'll get there. In a, there's more of the cigar chat, but we'll get there in a second. I thought this was going to be more of something where Brett was like, I need space. And then by the end of the episode was like, I understand now. Like, we're good. We're fine. I didn't think this was going to be like space, space, like back it up. We're going to hit the pause button for a while. Yeah. But of course, Casey agrees to it because he wants to eventually be with Brett. So he's going to agree to everything she says. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did like how, you know, Casey was like, listen, like, my feelings for you were real, like, regardless of Gabby. And I do love what Brett came out with. And Brett was like, there is no regardless of Gabby. Like, that's the point. Yeah, that is the point. Like, good looking out for yourself, Brett. She's completely right. What I do, but I do think, though, and I think Brett, I would understand this, too. Like, I'm not, I don't think Brett needs to say you need to be completely over Gabby and that you'll never, like, Casey's always going to love Gabby. That is just, like, a fact. Yeah. But there is a difference between always have like, having love for somebody because of the experiences you've shared in, like, a past relationship and, like, having current feelings for them. Right. And I think that's what Brett wants Casey to figure out. Like, is his love for Gabby just love for Gabby because of, again, the past relationship they had and the experience that they shared? Or is he, like, still have feelings for her? I think he's always going to have feelings for her. But, like, again, feelings for her meaning, like, he will always have love for her? Or do you think he is, like, going to be in love with her forever? Yeah, I don't know. Because I feel like 
he has love for her. Like he, you know, he loves her. And that there's nothing wrong with that. He will always love Gabby. He will always love Gabby. But I don't think he is in love with her. As he says so in a second, we'll get there. But like, I don't think he's in love with Gabby right now. No, okay, that, that's a good point. I, st- I still think if Gabby were to show up on his doorstep tomorrow, he would do whatever she said. If she was like, run away with me to Puerto Rico, he would do it. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Especially based on what he says in the cigar chat, which we'll get to in like two seconds. Yeah, yeah. So Brett tells Casey that, you know, what happened between us can't happen again. I need some space. Casey, of course, you know, agrees to it. So Brett has all these emotions about it. She won't talk to anybody about it. And I love that she doesn't even need to talk to Gianna for Gianna to know. Um, And so they go on a call where this woman is basically injured by a drone and Gianna's about to smash it. And she's just like, you know what, Brett, like, why don't you take this one? You go ahead and smash the drone. Like, just get your feelings out. Um, And and that's that's how she does it. So I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I do love that. So um, like Brenda was saying, we were hashtag blessed this week because we got a cigar chat. I mean, yeah, just like every point of the midseason premieres this week. I was like, that's cool. We get that. That's awesome. We get a cigar chat, too. Yeah. We do. But like, oh, oh. OK, so it so makes me mad, too. Kelly's surprised. Like he is surprised. He's like you and Brett, but then immediately goes into BFF okay. mode. But what I don't understand is like. Kelly, have you not looked at your BFF? Like, have, I don't understand how he did not really realize that. I know. Don't understand. He's usually pretty perceptive. Like, I feel like this episode, he kind of had a moment. Like, at one point, Casey's like, oh, is 61 back? And Severide's like, no, why? And Casey's like, oh, no reason. Like, I feel like he kind of had a moment. But, like, come on, Kelly. You didn't really put it together before now. He's only been pining after her for, like, what? Two seasons now, a season and a half. Yeah, whatever. but like all of their moments have been pretty private up until that point, right? I mean, I guess I was just more like, "Come on, Kelly, get yeah. it together, get yeah. your BFF." Come on now. <laughs> so, uh, Gabby, you know, um, well, okay, so they talk, right? They're having their cigar chat, and Casey just says he's like, you know, Gabby, our relationship—it's always going to be an issue for Selby. You and Brett, not anymore. Looks like that was the extent of it. Gabby, our relationship, always going to be an issue for Sully. And for you? I thought so. But to be honest, these last few months, I haven't had any contact with Gabby or even thought much about her. Sully's been the only one on my mind. But you're just going to let it go. That's what she wants. Um, I kind of hate the way he says this, though. Like, he makes it sound like this is, like, Sylvie's fault. That who makes it sound like it's Sylvie's fault? Casey, when he's like, it's always going to be an issue for Sylvie. I don't think so. I I don't think so, because I think... I I mean, I guess. I, I can see what you're saying, but I don't think that he believes that. Hmm. I, I think he's just having a hard time understanding why she finds it an issue. Because to him, it's not an issue. Like he says, I mean, he even says, we heard it in the audio a second ago. Like, Sylvie's the only one that's been on his mind. And when Kelly says, he's like, so you're just going to let it go? And he's like, but that's what she wants. So, like, I don't know. 
I think he's just having a hard time understanding like what Brett wants and like what Brett he wants to do what's best for Brett. Mm-hmm. And so, you know. I think pretty soon though they are gonna have to draw the line between, you know, Sylvie just being like you know, the, the Gabby thing, of course, being an issue. And then they're gonna have to draw a line where it's gonna get to a point eventually where Casey's gonna be like why isn't my word enough that, you know, I haven't spoken to Gabby. I haven't thought about her. Like, you know, when it, why isn't it enough that I say like, I'm over it. I have real feelings for you and you're not, you you can't take that as the truth. But he hasn't said that to her yet. No, not yet. But I think they'll get to that point. Right. And I think once he, I think once they get to that point, then yes, I, I agree with that. But like, that's the point is he hasn't said that to her yet. He said it to Kelly. Yeah. He said it to Kelly. He hasn't said it to Sylvie. And I think if he had just literally said what he said to Kelly to Sylvie, then we're not having this conversation. And this isn't an issue. But it's one Chicago and we don't communicate in one Chicago, do we? No. No. Um, but, okay, this is kind of what really made me mad, though. It's the very end. Like we heard in the audio. Um, Kale, or, kind of like combined names here. Casey says, he's like, I think that's exactly, or, you know, Severed's like, so it sounds like Camille got it pretty bad for Brett. And Casey's like, I think that's exactly why I have to pull back. It's the best thing for her. First of all, on the one hand, I get that logic. But on the other hand, if you really care about Sylvie, like, also just fight for her. And tell her, again, exactly what you literally just told Severed. I don't understand. True. Also, the fact that this advice is what, like, fuels Severide to handle how he handles his situation with his relationship, I was just like, ugh. That is the shit that makes me want to, like, bang my head on the desk. Like, literally, as Casey's saying this, Severide looks over at Kid and his mind goes into overthinking mode, and we'll get to that in a second, but, like, come on now. They are two completely different issues, Kelly. Oh, my God. Right. Right. (sighs) So Brent finally talks to Stella about everything and she just says, she's like, I just need to put it behind me and move on. Like there are good men who aren't deep down still in love with their exes. Right. And Brent and Casey just exchange looks across Molly's and that's kind of it. So it like, it feels like we're putting the pause on this for a while. I feel like though, even if we're putting officially a pause on it, I feel like we're still going to get our looks, like our longing looks. Like, I feel like we're not, we're not done. We're not done. Yeah, but like, did we really build that up for multiple seasons just for it to end in a makeout? But I don't think it's done yet, though. I feel like if they, if they, if it is the case, then I, I, I will be mad. I will be like very, very, very mad. I think that we are just, like you said, putting a pause on. I think it's all for the drama of it. Like, I think there is a point, and I still think they go there. Yeah, but I feel I'm like this is like... not giving up hope yet. I feel like this is like a Burzik pause, where, like, they paused in season three, and then it was, like, four seasons before anything. No, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I, I truly don't believe that, but I don't know. Okay. okay. If they do, that's just cool. I mean, the birthday pots was cool, too, but, like, this is, like, I don't know. I feel like they're just trying to do things for drama. I don't know. I'm glad you're, like, cautiously optimistic about this. Yes, I'm not giving up yet. 
Okay. Okay. All right. Moving into Mouch. Poor Mouch, man. Mm-hmm. He got like the short straw in this episode. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Brenna, take us through this, please. Okay. So, all of 51 gets called to this like garage fire. I don't know. Whatever. So, there are two victims on the roof. So, Casey's like, Mouch, get the aerial in place. Okay, whatever. Mouch does just that, locks it into place. Everything's going great. As Casey's going up the aerial, he starts to feel it, like, buckle and shift. And then all of a sudden, Casey goes flying off and is, like, dangling from the side of it. Cue Gallo being like, it's okay, Dad! I'll save you! (laughs) Exactly, pretty much. Um, And Gallo just does that. Everything's fine. Casey, of course, though, when Casey gets back down, has words with Mouch. And Mouch is like, no, like, I swear, I locked it in the place. And Casey's just like, yeah, don't do that again. Casey was such a dick. Yeah, I literally texted you before I you had even seen this episode. And I was like, Captain Casey's at it again. Like, fuck off. I get that the stakes are high. And like, yeah, you know, Casey was like half an inch from injury. But why wouldn't you give your guy the benefit of the doubt? I don't know. But I just thought it was so cold. And then how he was like, care to explain? And he was like, yeah, uh-huh, great. Good job. That's just Captain Casey. That's just honestly how Captain Casey rolls. It's not cool. And I, yeah, I'm not saying that I think it's right, but like, yeah. Anyway. So as soon as they get back from the call, Mouch is pulling the rig onto the apron so he can figure out like what the hell went wrong. But he literally can't figure it out, though. And, like, Herman comes out there, and Match and Herman are talking, and Match literally says to Herman, he's like, what t- happened today can't ever happen again. But, like, the line out of Herman when he was like, if you say that, you know, you didn't bump it and, you know, everything was locked, then I believe you. That is what should have come out of his own boss's mouth. Yes, it should have. You are correct. It should have. But it doesn't. <laughs> Because Captain Casey, when Captain Casey's mad, it's just, it's just, I don't know why, but he gets so uptight and, uh, yeah. Yeah. He's just such a fucking asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, even, like, Bowden asks about the situation when he's in the lieutenant's meeting with Herman and Severide and Casey, and... Or at the officer meeting, I guess, because Casey's not a lieutenant anymore. Um, and, like, nobody really, though, wants to put mouth that the fact that it was mouch's fault in the report because they don't really a they don't really know and b they don't want mouch to get dinged for it because that means that they end up with a floater and blah 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 and yeah so like and that was the other thing that kind of irked me that they were like oh if we just suspend him we're just gonna get a floater never mind that like oh hey you know maybe it wasn't mouch's fault or maybe mouch didn't fuck up they're just like we just don't want a floater never mind that you know don't get rid of mouch mm-hmm um, so Match is really beating himself up over it, though. Like, so much so that he even pulls out the rig manual and, like, starts rereading it to try to figure things out. And, like, Joe tries to crack a joke, but Match is, again, is really beating himself up over this. So Herman has the idea to pull the paperwork from when Gorsh got them the rig and, like, call up the place they got it from to find out if it's ever had any mechanical errors. Because he's the only one believes that believes, like, it's not Match's fault. Um, but 
And of course, as it turns out, there was a recall notice on the override switch that affects the turntable control. And Gorsh was supposed to get it fixed when he before they took the delivery, but of course he didn't. So it's not Mouch's fault after all. And Casey gives a really half-assed apology. Yes, and fuck Gorsh. Yeah, fuck Gorsh indeed. Mm-hmm. There's a shirt we should make, but an asterisk instead of the actual word. Mm-hmm. But yeah, fuck Gorsh. Yeah, indeed. Ugh. Yeah. I like. I. I don't. I just feel bad for Mouch. Like everybody just kind of blows him off because like anytime he makes a mistake they're just like oh it's because he's old no like mountain knows his shit yeah and again if it wasn't mouch's fault stop blaming it on him yeah be nice to mouch casey Mm -hmm. okay so i think the the previous two topics were kind of like the ramp up to the big like screaming topic because this is the one that really makes me want to like rage and like stand on my chair and yell um Mm -hmm. Okay, now we're going to talk about Stellaride. Just, duh. Okay. Stella has her info meeting about the lieutenant's exam. Our girl's growing up, okay? So she's like, yeah, I'm about to do this, but I am a little nervous, but, like, you'll help me, right? And Stellaride's like, yeah, like, anything you need, of course. And so she's like, okay, well, like, I need to learn the squad stuff. Like, learn it from the master. Can we do this after shift? And, and Stellaride's like, yeah, of course. Like, that, that's fine. So she goes to the info meeting. Why is everyone sitting so close together and with no masks? That's a good point. There, yeah, there's literally a bit... that was literally that was I thought. I was like, why is everyone sitting so close together and with no masks? I, I get that, like you can't have the masks on at all times, and like it doesn't make for good TV. But like, make it a little bit more realistic in that you know all of us are wearing masks at all times, six feet apart. Yeah. But literally, like, shoulder to shoulder. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway. It's a good point. It's a good point. So at the info meeting, she's the only woman. Um, But, you know, there's a couple of other prospective lieutenants who come up to her and they're like, yeah, like, we've heard great things. Like, Bowden's a fan of yours. Like, this is awesome. And everybody's, like, really supportive, actually, which is really nice to see. Um, But the chief is just not thrilled. He's not thrilled. So... Kelly is leaving OFI, which is a whole other thing, but he runs into the same chief from Stella's meeting. I get it. You got to defend your girl. But it's funny because folks around here are saying the real recent kid's moving up so fast is you. What are you talking about? It can't hurt sleeping with an officer, especially one so closely connected to Commissioner Grissom. I'm just telling you what everyone else is saying. Don't shoot the messenger. See you around, Severide asshole everything that came out of his mouth is like made me seethe like oh oh yeah no every every single ounce of it but i think it makes me like seethe even more that kelly actually took it to heart yeah i don't even think he took it to heart i don't know if i would use that phrase but the fact that he actually kind of like thought about the role that he was in like the fact that he he would have an impact on Stella because I don't think he believes that you know what the chief was saying about you know you got to defend your girl and blah 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 like I don't think he believes that but the fact that he would question whether that's you know his role in it is like no yeah um 
I will say that one of my favorite things that Kelly said, though, was like, he's like, you might want to think about retirement, Chief. You're starting to sound a little creaky. Which is a really nice way of being like, you sexist asshole, keep my girlfriend's name out of your mouth. Yeah, but I did love that. Yes, I didn't like that Severide kind of thought he was to blame for it, but I did like that he stood up to the chief and was like, yeah, you might want to retire. Yeah, and and I mean, when you really think about it, so so this chief is like, yeah, well, people are saying it's because of you. Really, it's because of Bowdoin. But like what? So so this chief is basically saying that like men in the fire fighting community shouldn't stand up for women, even if they're worthy, because, they're you know, because it shouldn't fill a quota. Mm-hmm. Well, and he also probably thinks that like any race that's not white, because he even says at one point he's like, a victim that's got to be shoulder carried doesn't care that there's enough ladies in the CFT or enough diversity. So I guess he just thinks that about like black people and Hispanics and like any other race. You know what I am so sick of? And this is something I've heard a lot in this post-election landscape that we're in. And tell me if you have too. But I have seen in so many places people talking about how Kamala Harris did not earn this and how she is only there to fill in a role as a woman of color. I am so fucking sick of hearing everybody tear down her accomplishments and completely disregard everything she has done just because she's a woman. I'm so sick of it. Right. And I can't say that I'm sure it crossed Joe Biden and his staff's mind that that's not a bonus, right? Like, I can't say that it has never crossed their mind. I'm sure it did Mm -hmm. from a strategic point of view. You can't say that it didn't cross their mind. But to say that that's the only reason she was picked is bullshit. It's like no matter like, yeah. I was going to say, like, you can't say that's not a bonus and that it's not important that she is a woman of color and that's not a point. Like, yes, of course it is. But, like, to say that that was the only reason she was picked is bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm sick of seeing women's accomplishments and, like, everything women do. I, I'm sick of seeing it minimized by men just by being like, well, she's a woman. And? Mm-hmm. So? And? So? Yeah, and that's kind of how I felt, too, about what this he was saying. He was like, he's like, oh, yeah, I met your girlfriend. Like, she's really something up the ladder. And he's like, she's a great, in some words, like, she's a great firefighter. And he's like, if you say so. He would not say this about a male firefighter. No. And I don't think he'd say it to, if anyone else of, like, higher authority was around. Mm-hmm. He's saying it because it's just him and Kelly. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, frustrating so and then we get kind of into like more of the severide stuff so uh when severide gets back stella's like hey are we gonna study later and severide just kind of like pushes her off on cap it's odd i Uh, did love though how cap is like has a milkshake in his hand the whole time and (laughs) he's like okay but i'm not gonna put down my milkshake (laughs) okay okay cap okay whatever just cap things literally that needs to be just like a tumbler in and of itself just cap things cap and his milkshake yep just literally just a tumbler of like cap lines and cap literally just a whole thing oh my god somebody get on that we're not savvy enough but somebody needs to get on that no what you need to get on is making a t-shirt with just cap and his milkshake oh my god 
<laughs> would people buy that? I don't know, but I would. Or just a milkshake. Um, I would. Oh, man. Okay. So Severide's also got his own stuff going on, but... During their call at the beginning, basically, Severide saves a guy's life who was basically trying to check on a car. And this guy is like Vin Diesel's little brother, okay? Um, when they showed these Literally. promos over hiatus, everybody was like, was that was that Vin Diesel? Um, it wasn't. It was just a guy who looks a lot like him. So mm-hmm. um, the guy shows up at the firehouse, thanks Severide for saving his life. And we find out more about the car. So the car was a stingray. It was his dad. So it means a lot to him. And he's basically just wanting to know when he can get back in to see the damage to the car. Um, and this is just like a perfect storm of Kelly things. What were you going to say? Did you happen to notice when the car, the license plate on the car? No, I didn't. It literally says, like, I don't know what the abbreviation was to fit, like, license plate character limits, but it literally says basically, like, 70 Stingray. It's, like, so stupid. It's, like, literally, like, so stupid. I was like, what? Very on the nose. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, yeah, so so the guy's just like, yeah, there were some boards on the window. It said something about OFI, and Kelly's like, Psh, I know that place. They worship me there. Uh, literally. Yeah, literally. So Sev goes to check on the status of the case, and I love so much how they're just, like, pining over him there. How, like, the guy at OFI is like, well, we would need a qualified scene investigator to go there. Oh, wait, I happen oh, wait, to know one. Are. Yeah, are. his yeah. name's Kelly. His name's Kelly Severide. Uh and I love how Kelly's like, if I do this, will you leave me alone? He's like, no, <laughs> no, not at all. Um, but I love too how like he's like, but I don't work at OFI, and the guy's like, you should separate. It's in your blood. Yeah. Can they work true. out? If I didn't love Severide so much at 51 because of what Severide means to 51, mm-hmm. like Severide does belong at OFI. <laughs> He he does. I mean, he's got the instincts for it. It's just I I'm I'm with you though. I wasn't when he got detailed over there. Like I wasn't crazy about it. Yeah, I didn't like it for like television purposes, right? Like I want for television purposes, I want him to be at fifty one. Yeah, but like if this was like real life and not a TV show, oh yeah, Kelly totally belongs in OFI. Yeah, like way more than Squad. Way more than Squad. Can he like moonlight or something? Can he like pull double duty and be like half at fifty one and like half at OFI? Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like some good way to like balance this. I don't know. Maybe don't know. he pulls like weekend shifts at OFI. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Sev basically gets talked into taking on the case and clearing it for OFI. Um, and he takes the guy with him when he goes to clear it. Whatever. That's great. So Sev goes back at the end of the episode to help fix the guy's tire. He basically is like becoming buddies with this guy. And he just says, he's like, well, the truth is I needed to give my girlfriend some space. I'm just doing her more harm than good right now. Like, even if she doesn't know it. That's not true, Kelly. Ugh. It's not we're true. Getting first, we're getting our first real, like, stellaride problem since they, like, got back together for good. And I don't like it. But, like, they're above this. They're past that point. I know. And, like, hopefully that doesn't last forever, but, like, if this lasts for a couple episodes, I'm going to be so mad. I know. I know. If this breaks them up, I'm going to be, like, throwing shit. If this breaks them up, just, oh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of yelling. A lot more yelling than there is now. I'm going to break some glasses. I'm going to, like, I don't know. I'm going to do a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then Sev proceeds to ignore Stella's call. 
You know what happens when we ignore calls in one Chicago? We get ghosted. Ask Jay what happened the last time he ignored a call, okay? Or not Jay. Ask Aaron. I need Stella to, like, yell at him. What happened to you being the better man that you said I deserve? Like, I need her to, like, throw it back in his face. Yeah. Yeah. I want to yell at him right now with, like, that America's Next Top Model gif and be like, I was rooting for you. Like, we were all rooting for you. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you learn something from this? Yeah, pretty much. Ignored Stella's call. The boyfriend of the year ignored Stella's call. I, I yeah. How dare you? Mm, like Severide, Severide, Severide. Smack. We haven't yelled at Severide in a long time, and we like haven't. I don't like it. I don't like it either. I don't, don't like, like it. Either. You know that clip of Chris Evans when he's always talking about his nephew and he's like, I don't like it. That. I don't like yeah. it. No. Yeah. <sighs> Pull it together, Kelly. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. Last up, we've got Bowden and Kylie. This wasn't so yelly. This wasn't bad. This is cute. This is cute. Yeah. So it's Kylie's first day. Bowden's showing her around and Stella takes over. I love this moment. When, I love this moment so much. Yeah. Severide's just like, did you happen to notice? And Bowden's like, the similarities? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're both just kind of have this look on their face like, we're screwed. There's two Stellas. Like, we're, we're totally screwed. Yeah. I loved, I loved every minute or every second of that. It was good. Yeah. Brenda, take us through the rest of this. Um, Okay. So Bowden basically goes off to his office and realizes, like, all of a sudden his chair is gone and he has a standing desk. <laughs> He didn't ask for it, of course, but Kylie tells him, like, yeah, this is for you. You were complaining about your back. So I just took myself, you know, upon it to find this in the closet. Um, I love when she says so. She's like, you know what they say? Sitting is new smoking. And Bowden's like, uh, who said that? Yeah, I keep hearing that, which makes me so nervous, by the way. Like, working from home is not good for activity levels. I will never use a standing desk ever. Um. But, of course, again, Bowden's pissed that he's a standing desk, but, like, keeps his mouth shut. And at one point, he even tries to get rid of the standing desk because, like, it keeps falling down. And then, of course, Kylie comes in and fixes it. And he thought that would be his way to, like, get rid of it. But, again, she fixes it. Um, but when Kylie's showing something to Herman and Gallo, like, they tell her that Bowden isn't as nice as he's coming off to her. Um... <laughs> And she's like, what? He's like a teddy bear. And Gallo's like, uh, no, he's more like a T-Rex. Um, also, we get a Connie reference, which... R.I.P. Connie. I know. Um, anyway. So the this part storyline kind of wraps up when uh, Kylie takes it upon herself to ask Bowden about his feelings, like, read the standing desk and... Bowden basically admits that, like, he doesn't like it. Um, and she's just like, chiefly, just because I'm a girl doesn't mean you have to go easy on me. And he's like, it's not because you're a girl. It's because I don't want you to be the one. To, I don't want to be the one to dampen your enthusiasm for the job. Um, and Kylie just basically asks him to treat her like everyone else. Like, she can take it. She's fine. Um, and he does. And, yeah, it's great. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we could have some fun with Kylie. I love Kylie. So um, there's one other bit on fire that I wanted to talk about that we uh, we forgot about. What about at the end when Gianna is walking out of the firehouse and she's oh. like, she's like, Blake, if I give you my number, you'll call, right? And he's like, Cruz would kill me and you know it. Literally, I love it so much. 
so on board with these two. I'm, I'm even just the running joke that like they can't go out. Like, yes, I want them to obviously like be a thing. I love them. But like, even just the running bit that like Joe would kill Gallo if he tries to. Like, I love this little bit. It's, it's so great. So good. It's so good. And they are yeah. so cute together. And like, even that moment in the Ambo when Gianna's like, hey, like, Captain, that was a close one. And um, Casey's like, yeah, I'm lucky Gallo got there when he did. And you just see her face and she's just like, yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Mm hmm. So yeah. cute. When they kiss, finally, it's going to be great. It's just like, it's like sunshine and sunshine. They're both sunshine. I love it. So good. Just, yeah, so good. Ugh. Any other notes about fire? Um, No, I think that's it. Moving into PD. This was like a Christmas present. Just a late one. This whole We're episode. All of that stuff. I really, really enjoyed this episode. Same. Like, just the case. I thought everything flowed. Maybe because we get it in a screener version and we don't have to sit through commercials and, like, I could watch it at my own pace. I don't know. But, like. No, I, I, I'm with you. I absolutely loved this episode. I think it was because the case was captivating. This wasn't something where you gloss over. Because the minute that this little girl is introduced, like, we're invested. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that I helped a lot. I definitely agree. I think it wasn't just like a, oh, someone stole some drugs. Okay, cool. Whatever. Like, yeah, I, I really like this episode a lot. And again, not just because of the Bursic or the upset of it all. Like, I actually enjoyed the case part, which is very rare. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and this episode, this is such a Bursic episode and it's such a good Bursic episode. Oh, my God. Okay. So. We start the episode. Burgess is on the phone with her OB trying to schedule a follow up. And, you know, they're just kind of, you know, she's like, I don't have any plans to get pregnant again. Um, Ruzik comes out of the corner store with coffee for the both of them. And he apparently wants to buy a boat. Yeah, I, apparently. Is, is Adam like a trust fund baby or something? Because remember when he was going to buy that super sweet place when he was dating Upton? Oh, yeah. And then Upton ended up buying, like, a super sweet place. Yeah. I have so many questions. So many questions. Patty really needs to come back on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, apparently wants to buy a boat. Like, he's he's got to be a trust fund baby or something. Like, where is he finding all of this money? So then they have this conversation in the car that is just so, like, it, it's just art. It's art. These two are, like, they're quarantining together, first off, which was, like, that was pretty quickly to gauge. Um, they have this conversation in the car about how they're, like, their lives are just, like, the same old, same old from day to day. How, like, they're not dating, but, like, they hang out every night. They see each other every day. They see the same people all the time. It's just them. They're living like an old married couple. I know. I love it. I love it so much. And just the banter, too, like, regardless of, like, what the actual conversation was about, just the banter, the back and forth, like, everything about it was great. Everything about this was perfect. And I usually hate these moments where, like, they drag out conversation, like, the mundane conversation. I absolutely loved it in this episode. I did, too. Loved did it. Too. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Kim's, like, change is overrated. Like, the world's looking for some same old, same old. And the banter is just so good. It's so good. Mm -hmm. So out of nowhere, they come to like this screeching stop because there is a little girl just walking in the street like by herself. This little girl is so sweet and precious. She's probably like five, right? Like she's little. I don't know, but 
I love her so much. Yeah. Um, this little girl, like, she's completely silent. She won't speak. Nothing. Uh, Burgess checks the name on her tag, like, on, on the back of her shirt. And that's where they find out her name is Michaela Ward. Which, like, I is that is that something parents do? They write their kids' names, like, on the back of their shirt like that? Um, more when you have to take, like, extra clothes to preschool and, like, gymnastics or whatever kind of activities. And you leave, like, clothes there so mm-hmm. that they, you know, it's more of that kind of. Not just in every pair of clothes you own, but that's why. Um, there's another little detail I love because, I mean, the, the little bitty tiny details are the things that I just am like, oh, that's cool. Um, you know how the title of the episode is always a line of dialogue that's spoken? Uh, this particular line of dialogue was in the background. This is when Adam gets on the phone and he's relaying the info and you just hear him really quietly in the background be like, you know, there's a tender age child, blah, blah, blah. I was like, that's a cool touch because I am a nerd and I notice things like this. Uh, mm-hmm. Little bitty details. Yeah. So they get the family's address and they roll up on the scene and like just this whole episode is like what could have been with Burzik, right? Because the little girl, she falls asleep in the back of the car and Burgess is like, okay, well, I'm going to go in. And Ruzik's like, okay, like be soft with the door. Like, don't wake her up. They're just so precious. I know. know. Literally everything about it. I was like, oh, we could have had this. We could have had this. We could have had this. So... Kim goes in and like the door is open and everything. And I mean, there's blood everywhere. There's bodies. The other thing that I noticed too was when um, the first time I saw it, when Adam gets out of the car, I was like, well, did you at least lock the freaking door? You just left her alone the second I time. I was like, Adam, I was like, why did you leave her in the car? Yeah, yeah. Doing? The second time, it's like, it's like blink and you miss it. He like, he does it so quickly that he like locks the oh, door. He does, do he does lock the door. Yeah. I guess I would have assumed he did. But like, yeah, the first, I was like, Adam, what are you doing? Why are you leaving her in the car? Yeah. No, I had the same thought. I was like, why did you leave her alone? Um, at least he locked the door. So that's good. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, it's gruesome. This is like a scene out of the boys, like this crime scene. There is blood everywhere. Like it's mm-hmm. gruesome. Mm-hmm. It's really ugly. And so there's like a bowl of Fruit Loops and like some tiny fit, tiny footprints on the ground. And Burgess realizes she's like, oh, my God, like Michaela was here. So there's no sign of robbery, no forced entry. So they're just like, OK, well, this was like a personal hit. And like Michaela saw the whole thing. Like, holy shit. So Voight tells Burgess to run point on questioning Michaela. And she like right off the bat is like, I've never done this before. Like, you need a juvenile detective. Like, you don't want me doing this. And Voight and the other attorney who's there, they're like, no, we we actually, we do, though. We do. So, you know, she talks to Platt and she's like, how am I supposed to make this kid feel safe after what just happened? And Platt is like the perfect person to talk to in that moment because she's just like, I don't know, but like, I don't think there's just one right way. And this scene with like the crust on the sandwich and like, oh, my God, it's so sweet. I know the actress that played Michaela like uh, killed this episode what a talented little girl oh my god mm-hmm. yeah wow. yeah and like the, i mean this little girl like she she will not say a word she's so traumatized she won't speak but she sees burgess taking the crust off her sandwich and she just kind of like imitates it it's so sweet mm-hmm. so sweet um so yeah like it just kind of shows that you know she's starting to trust burgess and so michaela's uncle benny was associated with the gang he had a lot of enemies, so they, they kind of start to look there. So 
Upstead goes to talk to one of Upton's CIs. They find out that there is a, a Southside hustler that goes by the name of True, and he took out the family. I do love this scene with the CI when uh, Upton's talking to him, and he's like, oh, no, like, I'm leaving. And he turns around, and Jay just appears out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. sassy Jay. Love yeah, it. like, knock, knock, interrupting Jay. Um, yeah, did enjoy that. Okay, so True and Benny had gotten into it a couple of weeks ago. Benny hit True with a beer bottle in the eye, as one does. So the killings were payback. That's kind of the theory. So Upstead, tracked, they track down True. They bring him into the district. He won't give up any information without a lawyer. So while that's going on, Burgess gets some of Michaela's stuff to give her for the night since she'll be relocated, including her mom's sweater. So like, unlike April, who just steals the teddy bear, Burgess just kind of grabs some things, Like, but she's allowed to be there. So Michaela does not want to go anywhere without Burgess, though. So, like, they both go to the DCFS home for the night. I love, love, love the scene how, like, Kim finally finds, like, a breakthrough. And she's just like, you know, it's okay to be scared. That's fine. And just the look Michaela gives her and Burgess is like, oh, yeah, like, adults get scared all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so good how, like, there's just nothing. Michaela doesn't even say anything. And Kim knows how to respond. And then, like, the way Kim relays how, like, she's been scared like she relays it so well which like that kind of stuff like to try and relay it at kid level is so hard to do and she does it really well yeah she really does it's just a really like sweet gentle moment i really really liked it a lot and so um michaela finally speaks and she's got like the sweetest little tiny voice and she's like yeah but like i ran and kim's like that's okay like that's how that's how you fight like that's a form of fighting um and so, you know, Michaela wants to go to bed. So Kim comes outside. The DCFS mom is looking out the window because she saw somebody kind of like lurking. Things go crazy because Michaela's window breaks. Uh, Kim goes in. The DCFS mom takes Michaela to the bathtub. I totally thought they were going to take Michaela. I was like, oh, please don't do this to Burgess. Please don't do this to her. I know. And then uh, Michaela's like, I'm over here. And I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. She's just the cutest little girl. Oh, my God. So Burgess protects them like a total boss, like mm-hmm. boss. I feel like if you took like the warehouse episode and like maybe this one and put them together, you'd have Kim's like Marvel movie origin story. Yeah. I'd also say you could probably throw a little bit of the um, one where she loses the baby, mm-hmm. like combine all those three and then you get this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so good. So um, the juvenile detective is like, okay, well, we're going to take Michaela into protection. And Burgess is like, no, <laughs> like, just hell, yeah. no. she's like, hell no. And this is a little bit of like a full circle moment from like, what? what is it? 502? What's the one where her friend? Um, oh, God, what is his name? The cop who um, the cop that got shot at the fair? Or yeah, yeah the one at the fair, the bomb at the fair. And then he takes his own yeah, life. I want to say that's like 502 or 503. It's one of those like first season five episodes. This is kind of full circle because there's a moment in 502 where Voight basically looks at Antonio and is like, sit her down, like make her go away, calm her down. And there's a moment in this episode where the DC, the juvenile detective, he's like, is she always like this? And nobody answers. It's only Kim. And Kim's like, yeah, she's always like this. Like perfect Mm -hmm. full circle moment. Perfect. Just like Burgess coming into her own is like just the best. I know. I love Burgess in this episode. Yeah. Love, 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 love. Yeah. So, uh, 
they go they they go to a safe house and and she and Ruzik stay with her. I love that Ruzik went with. Like, I know. I love Same. it. I loved seeing Ruzik with Michaela and he was like talking about the teddy bears. Then he was like, what am I looking at here? Like, what is this? Oh, my God. Just. Again, what could have been? Literally. Yeah, this is literally what could we could have had this. I know. <sighs> we still may get it one day, Gina. We still may get it one day. I'm like season 25. I know. Damn it. Will we still be doing this podcast in season 25? We better be. We'll be like, will podcasts still be a thing in season 25? We'll just be holograms. We'll be like holograms. (laughs) Like like the last season of Parks and Rec. They'll just like open a device and then it's like 3D versions of us just kind of being like, hello, here's what you missed this week. (laughs) Well, I guess that means I got to put on a bra then when we record. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, Whoops. Whoops. So... (laughs) Um, yeah, she and Ruzik stay at the safe house and like they put her to bed and they just kind of sit at the edge of the bed and like, oh my god, it's just so good. Yeah, we uh, were really truly hashtag blessed. We really truly were. Oh my god. Okay, so Upstead goes back to questioning True with the guy's lawyer present. True cracks because he's like, I would never step foot in that house because of Michaela. Um, good on Upton for like picking that out. She's like, why did you phrase it like that? Like, yeah i thought that was cool like that that's awesome at the same time that's going on so a truck like basically backfires and michaela wakes up like totally spooked and burgess is like no no like it's okay it was just a truck and michaela's like well what if what if they come back and she's like well what if who comes back and we basically find out that there was a woman that said that her dad was outside and waiting to take her home so that's when the case kind of changes. And I love this moment, too. I loved every little detail in this episode, how we find out that there was a woman and then we talk about her dad and everything. And then the next scene in the bullpen is Upstead flipping the board over because the case has taken a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. Love it. Every little detail about this episode was just like, Mwah, perfect. So in the in the bullpen, Jay gives the update. Michaela's father is just notorious hustler, like used to date Michaela's mom, broke it off because he went to jail he just got released three days ago. So this is not about drugs. This is about nothing else but Michaela. Mm-hmm. Nothing else but Michaela. And so Stateville had sent over the dad's visitor logs. And there was a girl from the neighborhood who had been making tons of visits to him over the last year. So her name's Nia. They bring her in and she's like, I don't know where he is. Again, perfect details. I love when she's like banging on the glass and Ruzik's just sitting there like, are you done? Like, you done? Yeah. And she's like, I don't know why I'm here. And then Voight's like, well, let me fill that in for you. I feel like even as an actor, if I had to like stand up to Voight, I'd be terrified to do it. Yeah. I I mean, if I guess I was trained, I I could probably do it. But like, yeah, I could not actually do it. Uh, this is, I, I could never be an extra on PD, though, because I watched the show and I could never just pretend that I, I've never met this man in my life. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So they have this idea to put Nia in a lineup and, you know, Michaela's going to do it and, you know, she's fine, whatever. Well, Ruzik opens the door and Michaela hears Nia's voice and it sets her off. Like she panics. She gets really scared. And Burgess is like, yeah, we're not doing this. Like, never mind. My favorite thing, though, is she, like, picks Michaela up and, like, takes her in and she's like, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. I'm not putting her through. Whatever. She's, like, screaming as she's, like, carrying Michaela through the halls. I, like, I. 
loved it. I mean, so hated weird. it, but loved it. Yeah. Um, and so in the bullpen, they're trying to regroup. And Burgess is like, I'm not putting her through that again. If it's not what's best for her, we're not doing it. Like, she's mm-hmm. really standing her ground. Whereas in, in prior episodes, we would have seen Burgess back down. Like, she's just... I, I hope she never stops coming into her own because it gets better and better and better. I think this is the best Burgess episode we've had in a really long time. Yeah, in a really long time. Like a really long time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So then Burgess gets the, uh, this idea where she's just like, let's just tell her that the lineup happened anyway and I'll just lie my ass off. And so Pat or, uh, Patty... Ruzik and Halstead are waiting outside. They're watching outside and they're just like proud parents. They're just watching Burgess do this. And Burgess comes up with this whole thing about how she's like, yeah, well, you know, one of the family members was a federal employee. And when a federal employee is murdered, the government takes over the case. And you just cut over to Jay and Jay's like, is that true? <laughs> and Ruzik's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So I, I mean, is that true that if a federal employee is killed, the government takes it over? I don't think so. Is that true? I know. I could be wrong. And I guess I'm sure that's probably like a, you know, I don't know. I'm not even going to say anything. I don't know. But I don't think so. Yeah, I feel like if I Google that, the NSA is going to be at my door. Like, what are you doing? Nothing. Um, Yeah. Oh, man. I just, again, every detail of this episode. And just the way that Jay's like, is that true? And Ruzik's like, I I don't know. (laughs) But uh, yeah. Oh, Burgess handles it so well. And just, yeah. She's such a fucking boss. Oh, such a boss. And she's so proud of herself, too, as she should be. Mm -hmm. So good. So good. So Nia eventually does crack and tell them where Tyreek is and they arrest him. And even that scene when they arrest him is so good. Uh, Because, yeah, all six of them surround him. And Kim is just like, it's not just going to be me who shoots you. It's going to be all six of us. And then when when he coughs up the gun and he's like, I'm never going to see her again, am I? And she just goes, I sure as hell hope not. Mm-hmm. Art. This episode is art. <sighs> so then we have a Berserk locker room scene. Again, <sighs> we had a cigar chat this week. We had the shoulder blade kiss. We had another kiss that we're going to get to in a minute. We had a Berserk locker room scene. I mean, just. I know. Hashtag I know. blessed. I know. When Chicago served up some late Christmas presents for us tonight. I know. We're lucky we got them in 2020. But yeah. It's yeah. the only thing that saved 2020. For us, yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So in the locker room, Kim's like, yeah, I mean, it just kind of made me think about, you know, when we were pregnant and, you know, I'm, I'm really good at being a cop and I don't know if I would have had the same instincts, blah, blah, blah. I'm a cop. I love being a cop. I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I'd have the instincts to be a mom too. And then what happened happened. No, you'd have been good at both. You're always giving me the benefit of the doubt. No, I'm not. I know you. You would have had instincts for all of it, that's all. Just how it is. Yeah. Maybe it makes you better at both. Just, I I can't handle Burzik, okay? They're just so freaking cute. I know. I know. I can't wait for them to do their dance around each other in a more official capacity, whatever. I, I'm here for this. That's such a Bridgerton way of saying I can't wait till they're married. No, I'm talking about this season. 
Because remember, Marina told us there's somebody that's going to come between them. I know, in two more episodes, in 805. Uh-huh. Oh, man. So, yeah. I'm, like, curious to see where they go relationship-wise from here. But I will take... Even, honestly... I mean, I, would, I still want Bursa to get back together, like, romantically. But I would take this, like, all day. It, like, if this was all they were going to ever give me, like, these kind of storylines, I would be here for that. But you know what kills me, and, and they don't even know this, is that, like, they are together right now. They're they're an old married couple. I mean, they even I mean, say it. yes, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. But yeah. yes, that's what I'm saying. I would take this. Like, if they're going to say, we're never going to have Bursa kiss again. They're not going to be together, you know, romantic-wise. You know, they're not going to get married, whatever. You get this every couple episodes. I'm fine with that. Okay. Because I'd rather, like, this was so good. Especially, we were so deprived of Berzik for so long. Mm-hmm. And, like, even last season, too. Like, yeah, they had their reaction to the stress of the day. And then Burgess got pregnant. But even then, it was just so, I don't want to use the word toxic. But it was just so heavy and emotional. And, like, they were, you know, yelling at each other. And it was just not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. But, like, if I could have this, which is, like, good supportive Berzik and like this like after again being deprived of it for so long even if they were just to be friends I could be okay with that I mean I still want them to be more and I still think they're in game but like if I got this every couple of episodes I'd be okay yeah because it's just so good it's just this was so good I love I love when Adam was like no like I know you I mean that. It doesn't get any more, like, plain and simple than that. Like, he knows her better than she knows herself. Yeah, that's why he said, like, regardless of whether Marina thinks, like, Ruzik is the love of Burgess's life, like, it is so obvious, again, that Ruzik, like, that Burgess is the love of Ruzik's life. Yeah. Like, so obvious. I mean, again, this scene made that so obvious. And I think Ruzik is the love of hers. I think she just keeps trying to talk herself out of it. Yeah, I agree with that, too. But, like, again, regardless of that, she is the love of Ruzik's life. Like, hands down. Again, that th- that line just proved it. When he's like, no, I'm, like, I know you. I die. I die. Mm-hmm. So Ruzik's also, not buying, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, Ruzik's not buying the boat because it's stolen. Because it's stolen. Just And I, I would like to think that, like, he doesn't have the money for it because that's just a boat. Like, Mm. I don't know. I don't know. So Michaela goes home with the cousin and all's well that ends well. And even the little scene here when like they're playing with each other's shoes because like she has light up shoes. Ugh. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, this episode is just perfect. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. And to get to it even more perfect. Oh my God. Yes, it is. Ah, are you ready? Are you ready? I'm so ready. Okay. Upstead. Okay. <laughs> Right, go do the thing. Okay, so it literally kind of comes out of nowhere, right? Like, there's one scene earlier on. Platt gives Upton the package from the feds, and Jay's like, and she's like, "Yeah, Platt's like, basically, like, I'm not want to be your mail lady anymore. Like, here, take your fucking package." <laughs> and Jay's like, "The feds." Upton silence, and then the next scene, Jay asks her like, "What the fed wants?" And she's like, uh, "It's a job offer." And he's like, "That's good." Where at? And he, she's like, "New York." He's like, "Cool." Oh my god! And the minute he says "cool," you just like you can like see his heart you know, just like yeah, sinking. Right? He's like, "Oh fuck!" Not again. 
not this shit again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, again, we get that one scene, that one upset scene, and then the very last scene of the episode happens, and it's amazing. So Jay and Haley go to a bar that is not Molly's and have this, like, heart-to-heart. And she basically says, like, the FBI offered me a dream job that, like, but I'm not, she's not going to take it. So basically, we can't do this see justice. Just listen to the audio. Just listen. <laughs> just listen. It's long, but just listen to the fucking audio. I don't want to take it because of you. I'm better with you as my partner. You know, you, 21, wait. I know I'm better here. So, I'm not gonna take it. He wasn't really wrong though, was he? He gained something. He gives something up. Maybe, but not always. Ugh. It's been a long time since I saw you as just my partner. Ugh. So basically, this whole thing ends with Jay going in for the kiss first. Dumpstead kissed. And holy shit, it happened. It really fucking happened. Oh my god, it was so perfect. Okay, I feel like we have to talk about how I reacted first and how this whole thing happened. So this was a couple days ago. We found out we got screeners. And I was like, okay, well, I have nothing else to do, so I'm going to watch it. And Gina's like, okay, I'm going to keep watching Bridgerton. It's fine. And I watched PD, or I watched Fire first, and then I watched PD, and I texted her, and I was like, I need you to watch the PD screener ASAP the way I just screamed, I can't. And this is, like, basically midnight on, like, Saturday night. And you're like, oh, shit. I guess I got to watch it now. (laughs) And so you watched it. And then, like, literally, it was, like, 1230 at night on my time. And... You were like, oh, my God. And we, like, Skyped because we literally just had to, like, talk this out on yeah. Saturday night, like, after midnight. Don't even care. I mean, I screamed, too. Like, screaming. I just, with the minute she's like, well, I'm not, I can't stay. Like, I'm not going to take it because of you. I was like, oh. And then, like, I just kept going. And then when Jay kissed her, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, Yeah, I was literally, like, knocking over picture frames. I was like, holy shit, holy shit. And, like, my brother and I, we don't share a room, of course, but our bathrooms are connected, so, like, our rooms are pretty close. And I was like, crap, Noah's asleep. I don't want to wake him up. What is, I don't, but I want to scream right now. I I thought at least that we were just going to get some flirtation in this episode. I didn't think we were going to get the kiss right off the bat. No, and it kind of, for a second, though, too, like, a, I'm surprised that Jay went for it first. Mm-hmm. I really am. I'm still never going to get over that. But it kind of looks for a second. I've watched this scene like so many times now that like I it looks like for a second he's going to go in for a hug and then he ends up they end up kissing and I was like, "Oh, oh, oh. Okay, they went there." Oh my god. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm actually not surprised that Jay went in for the kiss first because, I mean, even when he says he's like, I'm practicing self-preservation here. I mean, the self-preservation has got to be like, oh, fuck, I've been through this before. I can't believe I'm about to go through this again. Like, holy shit. And I, I feel like maybe that was like a Hail Mary on his part. I guess. I don't know. I thought for a second, though, like, as much as I do love this moment, and I do love this moment, I did think for a second it kind of took a turn. Like, they're because they're talking about more about, like, the fact that, like, he doesn't want her to go. And, like, like you said, he's practicing self-preservation. And she doesn't really want to take the job either or whatever. And then all of a sudden, at the very end, Haley starts tearing up and she says, like, you know, it's been a long time since I saw you as my partner. And then Jay goes in for the kiss. And I kind of thought that took, like, a little bit of a turn. Like, we didn't really go anywhere from there. Like, at least she could have said, like, Jay, I have something to tell you. Like, I don't know. I thought it kind of took a little bit of a turn that I wasn't expecting with that line. I mean, again, not that I'm complaining. But I was like, it doesn't really fit. But I uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I was completely happy about it. And I, I actually love that line. And she's like, it's been a while since I've thought of you as just my partner. No, I love that line, too. I was just more talking about in the context of the conversation and why I was so surprised by where this whole thing went, because I didn't feel like it fit the conversation they were having mm-hmm. somewhat. Um, but yeah, I loved everything about it. It just kind of threw me off guard. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. I, and just, I mean this is the point of no return like upstead has gone there what does next week look like though i know like are they together are they i mean like are what like what happens i mean i could see them handling this in like a breathy sort of way where they kiss and then they're like okay well we have to talk about this we have to figure out what this is because i mean all the tidbits we got were like they're going to be pretty hesitant about you know dating each other because they've both been in relationships with partners in the past uh, also this is pd and we only get like a hot second of personal and then a bunch of case you know what concerns me a little bit i, I maybe it's just it doesn't really sit right with me is that Upton is forever going to have this like bargaining chip on Jay where she's going to be like, I gave up a job with the FBI for you. But she didn't give it up for, I mean, she didn't give it up for him. She gave it up because, well, I guess she literally says, I don't want to take it because of you. But like, I don't still feel like she gave it up for him. I gave it up because she feels like she's better with, like she said, she's better with him. Mm hmm. But I don't think that's the same thing as giving it up for him. It's not like he told her to give up the job. Mm-hmm. I I sort of feel about this the same way I do, because you guys know we love Dancing with the Stars. Um, I feel the same way about this that I do with Chriselle and Keo, where I'm like, Chriselle, go be happy. Go do your thing. Get your man. Go be happy. And that's how I feel with Jay right now. I'm like, Jay, get your girl. Go be happy. Go. I was kind of wonder where, wondering where you were going with this comparison. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going for a second. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited. I'm more curious again now that it's happened to like see where it goes from here. Yeah. Like it's happened. Like it, it's a thing. It's happened. But also think about how big of a risk this is for both of them because they've got such a good thing as partners. Yeah. And they're literally putting it all on the line. Yeah. 
And you know what else I was thinking about too, though, is I, I'm sure this would have happened in the season finale had we gotten those last couple of episodes, you know, back in April like we were supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder with the fact that Haley was supposed to have stayed in New York a little bit longer, like how this reveal would have been different. Yeah. And like, would he... like this conversation happened because they retooled the season and whatever, right? Like, or this conversation unfolded in the way that it did because they retooled the season. But like, if Haley had been in New York for, say, you know, two or three more episodes or whatever, like, does she realize that when she gets off the plane? Like, you know, just like all those things. Like, is this a Ross and Rachel situation? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just but so. I loved, I, I, regardless, I loved everything about this. It's so good. I, just, I can't believe it actually happened. Like, I know. Yeah. It's still unreal. And I we've been sitting on it now, obviously, for a little bit. But, like, I still can't believe it. And I've watched it, like, 10 million times. We've wanted to scream it from the rooftops. Um, yeah. Yeah, we've had, we've told nobody. No. We've not even talked about it with our, you know, other entertainment writer friends. Like, we literally have not talked about it with anybody except no. each other. Oh my god. Um, I mean, I just I, I I have one other note on this episode, but like I don't want to get away from the Upstead kiss. It's just such a like everything's just so perfect in this little Upstead bubble we're in. Also, again, I feel like it's important to remind people we are recording this early, so whatever happened in the promo, we don't know. We haven't seen the promo, right? So like we are again speculating. We have no idea. We have not seen any promos. We have literally just seen the episode. Yeah. Anyway. Oh my goodness. Um, so the the only other note I have about this episode is where the hell is Rojas? Yeah. I We're mean. Three episodes in and we have not even acknowledged her absence. Yeah. She's just gone. She's just gone. I don't think we're going to acknowledge it at this point. That's not okay. I mean, no, it's not. But like. I think that's just one of those things you're kind of going to have to say that, like, it's got, it sucks that, like, the pandemic happened, and I think it just kind of got, you know. But, like, if they, if they don't acknowledge where she went, they quite literally just erased her. They took a Latina character and just completely erased her. Mm-hmm. That's not okay. No. It's, I mean, no, it's not, but... I don't know. I feel like at this point, if you don't make a reference to it in your first or second episode, like, why would, like, it's going to, so what you're saying is going to be episode nine, and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, Rojas, and I'm just like, they're not going to do that. I feel like if we haven't gotten it by now, we're not getting it. Oh, my God. That's not cool. That's not cool. Um, Aside from that, do we have any other notes on PD? No, it was Perfection. It was perfection. It really was perfection. I will say, though, one little tiny note, and this is just more because of the focus and, like, again, what even next week's episode is going to be. It kind of felt a little, like, in its own bubble because we didn't touch on any of the Atwater stuff. Like, not a single comment about it. So it kind of was like, okay, okay. Atwater Um, was seen for, like, maybe two scenes. That's, like, not – no. None and I guess that's my problem with PD in general is that sometimes I feel like they're a little too 
um, like battle episode-y, even though they obviously connect, but mm-hmm. like it'll be like, okay, this is Atwater's episode. So like the first two episodes were Atwater episodes, and then this was clearly like Berzik and Upset, and then next week because of cops getting murdered, I'm sure we'll get more Atwater. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like that part of it. Mm-hmm. That's what I don't like about this, whereas at least the other shows, they have a little bit more cohesiveness, and, you know, you get, like, a Bowden storyline, and the Mount storyline, and the Stella and Severide, and the Brent and Casey, you know, like, there's at least, like... You get a little bit of everything. Yeah. <laughs> yes, um, sorry. Um, I guess I don't mind it on PD just because, I mean, and we've talked about this before, just like between the two of us, but the first four seasons of this show were the Hank Voight and Aaron Lindsay show. So, yeah, I just, I don't know. It just felt like jarring, especially given, again, the focus of the first two episodes and then to not talk about any of that stuff. It just kind of, I don't know, something I noticed. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, I will say, I appreciate this more than the SVU, when SVU doesn't do any character. I'd much rather have this version, but yeah. Which reminds me, I need to catch up on FBI just to see Josh Segarra's beautiful face. I still haven't watched it, and I need to. Maybe I'll do that this weekend, because I have Friday off. And Zico. I mean, I I freaking love Zico so much. Although I saw a tweet, apparently, that, like, I don't know, Josh Segarra's character may be, like, kind of shady. I don't know. I don't know what... it was like a TV, like one of those like ask Osceolo things and somebody was asking them about that and he was like, well, maybe he's like not as perfect as they thought. And I was like, oh, fuck. Aw, man. But anyway, I will still be watching because, hello, we love Josh Cigar on this podcast. We do love us some Josh Cigara. So. so that's about all we've got for midseason premiere night. Oh, my God. Um. Yeah, so as always, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I mean, we have a Tumblr. We don't really use it, but... Um, 2021. 2021. I am going to start freaking reblogging some stuff. Going to react. I'm going to work on it. I okay. Promise. Okay. Cool. You heard it here first. Um, yeah, meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. If you like the show, which we really, really hope you do, if you could please take a moment to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Oh, we would so greatly appreciate that. Follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I am at Bryna Kate 13. If you haven't yet, go check out our video where we did trivia with Nick and Joe and Marina. Um, make sure you check out our Instagram TV video that had the questions that you missed from that episode. We had just, we had so much fun. Oh my God. We had so much fun. Um, yeah. And in the meantime, I mean, we'll be back next week. So have a good weekend and we will see you then. Bye.